and welcome to an all-new episode of Let's Talk About AEW, or what it actually means is Let's Talk About Everything Wrestling. My name's Corey Richard. I'm joined from Harry from Wrestling Curious uh, Facebook page. I've heard of it once or twice, and we have a special guest with us today. For old-time listeners of that little podcast known as the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, a.k.a. Jason, you know, decided to have kids, so he left me on the side of the road to find new friends. Uh, we're joined today by, whenever we talk about this little thing called New Japan Pro Wrestling, a.k.a. Wrestle Kingdom 17, we bring in our friend to the sh- friend of the show, Sean Reamer. Sean, it's been a while. The last time you were on our podcast, episode 266, God, I can't believe Jay didn't throw me out a window before then, but do you remember this little guy named Marty Scroll, you know, getting pulled from New Japan Pro Wrestling? That that was our biggest problem in the world, the idea that... Uh, Marty was being a uh, inappropriate bad boy, and you know, was the first ideas of you know Moxley versus Kenta, the true beginning of, like the Forbidden Door. So it's been a little while, Sean, but uh, how you been? Good, thank you. Busy, very busy, but uh, good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing well. So Harry, I'd like you to meet your replacement. Uh, I know this is a little <laughs> last minute. I'm sorry you got to find out this way, but uh, Sean, you know. Jason's gone. I, I finally got you to join. Now, uh, as always, love to uh, introduce Harry to the podcast every week. My my better half, you know, the guy who listens to me whine and complain every week. Then I mention, you know, Cody Rhodes, and then I can go and take a three hour nap, and then uh, I come back and see what happened. But Harry, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I don't know what's going on, but I'm doing well. Uh, you know, that, ma- that makes three of us. Knowing what's going on is always a, a luxury we don't have. But uh, before we get into uh, Wrestle Kingdom, which of course already four days of the year has a contention to be, you know, the best show of the year, but we'll discuss that and all the fallout where they might be going further. But first, as much as we don't love to talk about this guy, about two and a half hours ago, World Street, uh, the Wall Street Journal. Wow. The Wall Street Journal. <laughs> I swear I was an English major. Not really. Uh, whatever one the least pa- amount of papers. But um, Vince McMahon, the former uh, head of WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, looks like he could be back again. Now, the caveat is, supposedly, I'm putting up the finger quotes, which, of course, nobody can see because this is not a video version of this podcast at this point, because Harry doesn't trust me to go on, you know, live on Facebook. But um, apparently, he he wants back in, which has been reported over the last couple of weeks. But uh, it sounds like the reason why he wants back in, at least if you want to believe reports, is in order to either sell the company or to work on this new TV deal. Only way they're going to sell the company is if Vince gets his uh, little piece of the pie. He looks like he's going to put himself back in as the chairman, put back some of his stooges in, George Berrios, or no, I'm sorry, that's politics, never mind, uh, and to go and be a part of this. So right off the top, Harry, gut reaction, you found out about this, you know, about two hours ago. What's your thoughts? I know you don't like him as a human being. What's your thoughts about him possibly coming back and how that could maybe <laughs> short-term affect the product? Hate it. I just don't like the guy. I wish he'd go away. I don't want. That's why Harry's the, uh, the best uh, wingman in the world. Short and sweet. Hate him. We're done. No, uh, Harry, continue. No, but seriously, like, you know, think about all the talent that went back because of the fact that, you know, Triple H is running the place now. And now Vince is going to get back in there and just screw everything up. Like, come on. It, it's it's just a narcissist move. It's just someone who can't let go. Like, just go enjoy retirement. You, you don't, what money do you need at this point? Wait, you know, I, like, are you talking about me or Vince? I'm sorry. No. Um, 
So, so you don't believe that this is just a way to get things in order to sell the company? I mean, because if you look at what the uh, the stock market did at, after closing, I believe the stock uh, the stock was at seventy two dollars and it shot up to like eighty three or eighty four. So, I mean, I know that the people who have invested this company, one of the reasons why people got in in the first place was they thought that they would sell the company to, you know, either NBC or ESPN, a big place, and they'd get money on their investment. UFC, which we can, you know, it's a whole nother subject with uh, Dana White this past week. Slap fight isn't the only only problem he's going to be having when it comes to that. But um, they sold for $4 billion. WWE has a lot more time in. And it's, you know, WrestleMania, when you think of wrestling, as much as we all love New Japan, what AEW is doing, if you ask 9 out of 10 people on the street, or maybe even 10 out of 10, what is wrestling? They're going to say either WWE or WrestleMania. So the idea of let's so you don't believe that he's coming in to do a sale. You think that he's going to get his he wants his this is an excuse to get his hands back in and get right back to where he was, Harry. Yes, because I don't trust him. But let's but let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say it is to sell it. So what happens then? Does Triple H stay in charge? I mean, does everyone wash their hands of it and the talent's done? Like I'm not, you know, I. You and I both decided to start watching the product again when Triple H took control. I boycott it because of Vince. I boycott it what he because of what he did to multiple talent and never used them properly. Gone. It was the greatest day for me. You know, uh, I started to watch the product again a little bit. They started bringing back the players who I thought that were impactful. And then now uh, what? He gone again. So I'm kind of you know a little uh, upset about it. But well, we're not going to tell your wife that the greatest day of your life was Vince leaving. Well. At least for show, we will be <laughs> meeting her, getting married, or whatever else is going on. But Harry, I'll let you think about how you're going to crawl out of that hole. Uh, Sean, like I said before, welcome back to the podcast. As we know, a guy who does not watch m- much, if any, WWE. What's your initial thoughts on finding out that Vince could be making a play to get back in? Is it just do you? Are you giving the benefit of the doubt? And this is for a sale, or is it the idea that WrestleMania 39 might be the biggest one out there, Return of the Rock possibly, in L.A., that he, he just couldn't have his hands not on the in part of the uh, product? So, A, I don't watch any of the product. That entire company, uh, what they did during the initial onset of COVID to 90-plus people was absolutely unforgivable. They had their most profitable year yet. They had, I mean, the profits were, wasn't it? I can't remember how close it was to a billion dollars. It was so, yeah, it was ludicrous money. And they were cutting people left and right. And it wasn't just talent. It was production. It was long-term people who had been with that company for 20 plus years. I give no credit to a single person still running that place. I don't care about Triple H, I don't care about stuff. I don't care about anyone running that place. They were all there. They're all complicit. They're terrible people. Now, going back to the worst of them all, the absolute psychopath that is Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. Uh, he had talked about wanting to come back, I believe, within the last month and a half, saying he got bad advice from people that. Uh, he, you know, he should not have stepped away. And realistically, I think he thought, hey, if I had stayed, this would have blown over eventually. Maybe I should have just taken a leave of absence. 
And he claims he got bad advice. I don't think he got bad advice. I think that they should have done a lot more. I would, I hope that if he goes back, I hope all the dirty details, all the details that we haven't heard get leaked. And I'm sure they will, because I'll tell you right now, that guy is not there to sell the company. He it's already worth how many billions of dollars. He's not going to sell. Why would you sell something that you can continue to mooch off of? And let's face it, the guy's a cockroach. He's never going to die. And if he says that, you know, I'm coming in and I won't sell unless uh, someone, you know, unless I'm allowed to do X, Y, Z. No, it's the same uh, in real world stuff. This is the same Vladimir Putin crap that's been going on for the last 20 years over in Eurasia. It's nonsense. I don't want to see him come back. I still won't watch the product regardless if if he comes and goes. He's a, he's a terrible person. That company is not good. And uh, <laughs> the fact that he's bringing back uh, Berrios and uh, what is it? Michelle uh, Wilson. Something. Michelle Wilson. No. I mean, his next step is to start bringing back all the talent that got, or not talent, uh, the managerial people who are let go, who are causing all the problems. Hey, John, hey, John Laurinaitis, uh, you want to put on the Road Warrior uh, stuff from your brother? Uh, we'll have you come back. No. Um, so basically, Sean is saying that it will be Vince McMahon, Keith Richards will survive after the apocalypse. That, that Those will be the only people left. Um, but Sean, The guy doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat condiments. Um, but you know, I have a hard time disagreeing with either one of you guys. I mean, I think that the on paper, the idea of this company selling selling to NBC or Disney or some big conglomerate and making that one big last payday sounds great on paper. But every as you've, as you've noticed, every single time, that Vince has made any sort of idea of coming back, another leak comes out from the Wall Street Journal, which makes you think, and this is just my opinion, this is not the opinion of, you know, of the show or Anchor or anywhere else that puts us on, is the idea that there's someone on the board of directors who's currently at WWE, does not want him back, and every, and they, every time they hear something and he might be coming back, they leak information to their sources at the Wall Street Journal. Don't have any proof for that. That's just my opinion, not the opinion of Harry or Sean, it might be, but I'm going to take the uh, the lead here. No, but, I'll, I'm going to. I'll go ahead and say that's. The, I mean, it's textbook, a hundred percent. I'll I'll t- I'll say it all day long. If he goes back, we're going to hear all the gory details. We're going to find out all the terrible things he did to to women uh, over the last several years. I'm sure there are terrible things he did to men as well. I mean, this and, is, and as they say, this is uh, the. We will find out where the bodies are buried. I totally, I totally agree. Like I, said, it's gonna I, uh, I yeah. want to interject. Yeah. I actually want to one up you both, not meaning to, but I think Nick Khan's behind all of it. And that's just my personal suspicion. Um, I think that when he was put into place, he realized the shit show he inherited and he wanted to start cutting things out. And that's what he did. Well, I mean, I don't disagree that, I mean, you bring in Nick Khan, if one day you're going to sell the company, he's got, he is the guy to bring in. I do believe that Nick Khan, Everybody can disagree with me, and I'm not a Vince guy by any stretch. I think most people who have known me over the years know that I'm not a Vince guy. I'm not an anybody guy for the most part. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a ladies guy. Um, but if he, I think that he, Nick Khan took the fall for all of the, the, the mass layoffs 
during 2020 and 2021. I think that nothing happens at a company without Vince McMahon putting a seal on it. The idea that is we just cost measuring and Nikon said, these are the names. And Vince was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. That's fine. You could all say he's a senile old man, but anything that happens at that company, Vince knows what's going on. He may not be able to remember a storyline from week to week, but if someone's getting cut, he's the reason why it's not a black, white, male, female thing. It's just Vince is a crazy psychopath, sociopath, a lot of other paths that I don't know about. That's Vince McMahon. Is he a wrestling genius? And one of the reasons why anyone under the age of 50 is most likely watching wrestling for the, because of him? Absolutely. Do we watch sometimes in spite of him in the later years? Even more true. But Nick Khan, I believe, is a bit of a scapegoat. And Nick Khan, a perfect person? No. But I don't think he's the fault of why we had all these mass cuts. No, that's Vince's, not what I meant. Vince's, you know, I, I understand. I just wanted to put that out there because some people mm-hmm. sometimes have that point of view. But uh, Sean, Harry, unless you have anything else on this, I'm going to pivot over to the reason why we actually have our main man back on the show. Not Lobo, but uh, but Sean, uh, as I'm as I put him uh, in our little Zoom chat today, Sean Lollipop Reamer uh, on the show today. Talk about a little New Japan Pro Wrestling. Both of you guys good with uh, our favorite pain in the ass, uh, Vince McMahon? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. All right. So as I said earlier, Sean is whenever me and Jason used to talk about uh, Wrestle Kingdom every year, we would bring on Sean. So like I said, we could each take a deep breath, make sure that if we were going to have an explicit tag on the podcast, we earned it. So anyone whose kids are listening, you're going you're gonna to get a whole new vocabulary today. So we're just giving you fair warning. Sean will try for about three minutes to not curse. But it's not in his DNA. All right, maybe maybe two minutes and fifteen seconds. But we'll try. Uh, I was trying to go with the three minutes because that's how long our exhibition match was at the beginning of the show. Uh, but right off the top, Sean, Harry, whoever wants to take it first, going into Wrestle Kingdom, did you have high hopes? Were you thinking, all right, we're getting Kenny back? That's a great idea. But the rest of the card is whatever. What was your initial thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom as we got closer, Sean? We'll start with you. Oh, I was I was absolutely elated. The uh, the card that they laid out for this was fantastic. Uh, I was slightly skeptical on the NJPW TV title. Um, I thought it kind of looked a little weird. It's very big, very bulky, but I, I recognize it is at the same time kind of like a throwback um, title design. And, and you know, what? it's fine. Um, I was legitimately excited for essentially every match um you know they're they're uh I, I think it was 20 something man rumble was whatever but that's it's standard for them you know pre-main event uh filler but everything else on the card i was very excited for and it delivered even more so uh harry i know i know that you've become more of a i've slowly gone back into new japan since we've been doing the podcast with the return of Shibata against Orange Cassidy, that kind of got you back in full, full throttle. Going into the card, were you? did you have high hopes or was it just the idea that, you know, with the rumors of some woman named Sasha Banks possibly coming in and Kenny Omega returning, was, was that uh, your interest level? What was your interest level going into the card before we actually talk about what we thought? 
Well, I had high interest already. It just put like the icing on the cake. Um, I felt the event was wonderful. I first time I actually ever watched it live. Um, I just you and uh, next year I'll make sure I take that day off. I just happened to decide to shut down my business for two weeks and then go back the day of Wrestle Kingdom just with bad planning. Well, as I said last week, it's nice to see that you have the option just to say, eh, screw it. I don't have to work for two weeks. That's great. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so. Don't worry. You'll, you'll know when I'm complaining at you that I'm working 60, 70 hours a week in the summer. So. But, <laughs> uh, but no, but I, I love the event. Um, the Osprey Omega match was unreal. You know, probably the match that had me the match of the night. Uh, whose chemistry is unreal. Uh, I was disappointed because I wanted, you know, Osprey to win. But then I realized talking to it's and a couple others, you know, by having Omega win that draws Osprey to come to America and, you know, the first stage of a long program. So I understand now why Kenny won. I have nothing against Kenny. I've always been a fan. Um, I just have always liked Will Osprey. I've, I've just felt that, uh, you know, his toolkit and how he, you know, carries himself, you know, and how, and how he wrestles is just unique. So I was just rooting from, you know, from the under part. But again, I understand why, uh, you know, uh, Kenny ended up winning. Yeah, uh, so going, so for me, going into the card, I thought that it was going to be a good card. I didn't think it would be nearly as good as some of the other Wrestle Kingdoms we've had in the past, you know, like Wrestle Kingdom 9, when we basically had, you know, the triple main event with that, Incredible, you know, Nakamura, uh, Kota Ibushi match, I believe that was. I mean, I didn't, you know, you had AJ versus Naito. I mean, there's, there's other Wrestle Kings that I was looking forward to more. But the big thing for me walking into this event, and yes, I literally walked into my computer and I sat down and I had a great time. Well, that I do a lot of things in my computer to get, have a great time, but we won't talk about that. Um, but I don't know where I was going there. It was mostly pretty dirty. But I think that this this card really did delivered. I really feel, and we'll get to it as we go along. I I really I really feel bad for Okada and Jay White because I don't know if I would say this is the greatest match I've ever seen, where a lot of people in the moment are saying, you know, this is top five match they've ever seen. But Omega and Osprey had an instant classic, and following that match, it would be a hard thing for anybody. And I and I think Okada and White really delivered as well. But, you know, you understand with the 50th anniversary and, you know, the recent death of the founder of the company that you had to go and put Okada over and do everything because he is the modern day face of this company. But let, let's start. Let's start right from the beginning. When you did you guys both watch the pre-show or did you uh, only see from the, uh, from the from the start of the main show? I watched bits and pieces of it while I was trying to get myself together, but I didn't uh, didn't watch all of it 100. percent Okay, uh, I would say the 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 pre-show exhibition match, which was the start of you know a six-hour journey, which I'm not going to complain about it because I I defend AEW about having super long shows. But uh, you had the Olympian Bolton Olge versus Oi. It was a time limit draw, three minutes. Uh, this Olge is looks like to be the next big thing prospect for them. I thought he looked good. I mean, I wasn't like blown away. I would have loved for this to be maybe five minutes long, give it a little more time to see what this was in this guy's toolkit. But for first match, I thought Olge looked really good. And 
I'm going to be interested to see what they do with him, you know, in the coming years. Uh, so I watched the entirety of the event, uh, the pre, you know, the pre-show and then the entire main card. Um, it's on, admittingly, it's rare that I watch uh, some of the Young Lions stuff. I tend to skip ahead. But I, I wanted to give uh, Bolton Oleg uh, his – I wanted to see. But, you know, Kevin Kelly uh, did a great job kind of talking this match up initially. So I gave it a shot. That guy is – he's phenomenal. He's huge. He is fast. He has power. He has quickness. Um, if he was like six inches taller, you could easily – put him in the same category as Brock Lesnar um, in terms of just raw ability. Right. Um, I, I actually thought this was a really, for the three minutes it was, they got me good. They did solid storytelling when he just was manhandling Oila and just tossing him around, sticking to the amateur wrestling moves, the, the takedowns and the, the constant moving with it. And then to transition that just real quick, get him frustrated and transition that into, you know, a professional wrestling match was, that was great. They did solid storytelling in three minutes. And for young guys who are still building and learning, uh, and especially for Bolton Oleg, who had never been in front of people like that before, fantastic job. If he can repeat that process again in a 10-minute match, I'll watch 100%. That's great. That guy has a future. I'm excited to watch him. That's That says a lot to me about the quality of what they're doing right now developmentally. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I want to see what this guy looks like, like in another six months or next year's Wrestle Kingdom, see if, you know, how he's progressed. I mean, he'll have a chance to work with a lot of guys who are better than him. And it's amazing. You're basically taking this, this mold of clay that has uh, actual – wrestling background but not a pro wrestling background and you're able to go and take him from the moment and see what he can do i mean not everybody who is part of the new japan uh, system works out some you know some become you know shinsuke others you know i wasn't gonna say i was was, was about to talk ill of the dead so I, i won't say that but you you know you you have different levels of what happens but this kid Looks like the base. He could be special. But, you know, you say that about a lot of people, but we could hope that, you know, next next year at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, maybe, you know what? I'd love to see him in six months go on an excursion to uh, to AEW, you know, and uh, see him every week on Dark and, you know, uh, nobody watch him on YouTube. Um, I don't want to see him go anywhere. I, I Honestly, I know all their young lions end up doing excursions. One we'll talk about later on if we, if we manage to get to anything about New Year Dash, but I, I legitimately don't want to see him go anywhere. Really? I want to see no. And the reason being, I if he I want to see him stick as a young boy with uh with someone who could really push him and really teach him. Um you know, be it Tai Chi. I mean Tai Chi I think would be a wild one to do just with his sumo background. But I think uh, you know, the development of Tai Chi in the last three years especially going from the most hated to now a beloved and so over player. I think all I could, uh, could really learn a lot from him. Yeah. I mean, he's got a good teacher. We, in, uh, 
Yuji Nagata, which we found out that he has a lot to do with his development. So that's going to be interesting. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the pre-show New Japan uh, King of Pro Wrestling title 2023, right to challenge for the New New Japan uh, Rambo match. I'm reading that description from uh, Cage Match, so I didn't remember that off the top of my head. It was, it was fun. Uh, nothing super exciting. I will say uh, Hikuleo, there was a brief moment with Ishii and Hikuleo and just them squaring off right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I, I got excited. Like if that was a, a singles match, an exhibition singles match, I'm watching it. That would just be great. Well, we'll definitely talk about Hikuleo a little bit later on. Uh, there's some interesting that stuff that uh, came out in New Year's Dash and in a great promo that was done by Jay White. I don't know if either one of you guys had a chance to see it or not, but uh, yeah, so it came down to Great Okan, uh, Shingo, Sho, and Toriano. We could all have our opinions on Toriano. I know Jason had his over the years, um, but I, I do find one of the things I did find funny, and I know we're talking more on this match than I even thought I would, is that Kevin Kelly and the announcers were like, we didn't know Shingo was going to be here today. Cause I mean, there, there were rumors that, you know, Guys who weren't on the show maybe can show up as part, not of a trade, but a little thing on um, the show in Seattle that we'd have later in the night for AEW. And I think they were continuing with that little bit of a rumor. And then all of a sudden when he came out, they had the reaction of, wow, we didn't even know he was there. So I did think that was interesting. And we'll definitely talk about Shingo as the night goes along. Uh, Our last pre-show match was basically, um, how do I put this? Old guys try to compete and not look like they're old. What was what was your what was your thoughts on Kojima, Makabe, and uh, Nagata versus uh, Death Grandpa, Minoru Suzuki, Fujinami, and Tiger Mask? Did, did, was this uh, a bathroom break for you, getting ready for no. the day, or did you actually enjoy the match? No, I, I didn't enjoy it. No, I didn't do a bathroom break either. I I watched Tiger Mask absolutely botch the finish. <laughs> It it was, it was rough. I get it. Um, that match had to happen. You know, they uh, that was all those guys legitimately were there under Antonio Noki. Quite a few of them had had training from Antonio Noki. Jesus, I mean, I didn't Fujinami team with Noki for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's that match had to happen. I would prefer that match never happen again. But who knows? Um. Eh, like, whatever. It it they filled their time slot for it. I would have rather seen that time go to another match a little later on. And I'll come on 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 that in a moment. Yeah, no, uh, nine minutes it got. Um, Harry, any thoughts on the the last of the pre-show matches, or do you kind of agree with me and uh, and the lollipop kid over here that uh. It was there. We didn't need to. We don't need to see it again. It was. A, it was a great idea to honor Anoki, uh, but it was yeah, what it was. I agree with you guys. It, was, it really wasn't nothing too lackluster, but I can see why it was needed. So, uh, so we get to the main show. Uh, leading up to uh, the main show, we had the uh, best, not best of the super. Well, I guess best of the super juniors tag league yep. with a cat. A, Match uh, for the titles would be Catch-22, uh, Akira and TJP, uh, part of The Empire, versus Chaos is Leo Rush and, and Yo. Match went 10-29. Um, 
Leo Rush took one hell of a bump to start the match, which we can you can plan a bump, but when there's uh, fluorescent lights, you know, uh, different lights on there, face hits lights, lights is going to win 99% of the time. I'm just glad it wasn't, you know, light tubes. Um, but we'll start with you, Harry. What was your thoughts of uh, Catch-22 versus uh, Team Chaos? Had, had you seen a lot of uh, Akira or... I know you mostly saw TJP and, you know, in as many different stops in MLW or Impact over the years. But what was your thoughts of, you know, Team Catch-22 and Chaos? Unfortunately, that that's the match I missed as well. I didn't get into the next match. I was uh, preparing for work so I could watch what I could before I left. So I didn't even get a chance to watch that match. All right. Um, well, me and Sean will have a nice, interesting debate, and we'll see if uh, Sean <laughs> – First curse comes out at this point if he's still in a mellow, chill mood before we get to uh, what happens with uh, good old Kyrie. Um, so I I enjoyed this match. I think Leo has found another level. I know that Leo Rush deals just like a lot of people deals with depression and you know a lot of deep dark thoughts that a, a lot of times he winds up not staying long in companies. We know that he had his problems in WWE. He had his. I wouldn't say problems, but disagreements with a uh, good old TK, Tony Khan. He had his time in MLW, which I think lasted pretty well. It was as good as he can do and put over, you know, my uh, read on his way out. But uh, what do you think? What do you think of the match? Do you think it over-delivered, under-delivered? Was it what you thought it would be? What was the quick thoughts on uh, the IWG, IWP, IWGP? I, I could say words, especially letters. Um, I thought it was actually a very solid match. Uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was, you know, uh, I didn't think it was absolutely amazing, uh, but I thought it, it was very good. Um, you know, yo and Leo rush was kind of a, a weird to me initially weird teaming when they started, uh, in the tag tournament, but, uh, they had a bunch of great matches during that. And they continued on and proved it. I am glad to see TJP and uh, uh, Francisco uh, retain. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in long term, that's better for the company. Uh, and, and honestly, because of Leo Rush's history of just dipping out when he doesn't get his way. So I'm okay with it. Uh, it's an interesting pairing to me to see Yo and Leo Rush. I hope they can use Leo Rush again later on if he's willing to, and it kind of works out. He was, I really thought he was pretty tremendous in that match. Uh, he did take that, that bad bump and get split open good. And boy, when he turned it on uh, midway into that match, he looked fantastic. So I hope they can get him back. I hope that maybe we can see uh, a push for him in a month or two down the road possibly against uh i don't want to give spoilers against the uh current junior heavyweight champion oh we'll, we'll get we'll get into that and I, I have some thoughts on that a little bit later but um <laughs> i do wonder how much better or different this match would have been if if leo rush unfortunately didn't take that not gonna say tragic because he's okay but that bump that went wrong um i thought as an overall match i thought it was pretty solid i was, thought it was a good opener and I think that, well, we didn't talk about it yet. So let's, let's move back for one second. What did you think of the whole entire setup for Wrestle Kingdom? The stage, the back to the big uh, 
intros and everything. I mean, I don't think anything was most likely as as big as, and we won't have a chance to talk about it on this show because I actually didn't chance to see the whole entire match in time. But I don't know if you saw the spectacle of like you know the intro on the Noah show of Shinsuke Nakamura and the Great Muda, but that that was just like a spectacular open. I know that Kenny had a really good um, Tron and everything. I know it's a WWE term, Tron, but uh, <laughs> but I thought you know. As an overall presentation, I thought it looked great. I mean, the um, the idea of actually having fans who can actually cheer and clap made this show so much better. Like you always, you know, you always say, is something good if you turn the sound off? You know, sometimes you'll watch a baseball game or wrestling and, you know, you just have the sound off to see if like the announcers are actually affecting how I view something. And that's what we did for basically two plus years. When, when at the height of COVID and Japan was a lot more diligent when it came to restrictions than the U.S. was. We're not going to get into that. Maybe we will. I don't know. It depends on how frisky we get. But um, what was your guys' thoughts on like the presentation, the idea of having the fans actually able to emote again? What was what was your guys' thoughts? Sean, start us off. I, they, New Japan always does a fantastic job with their stage setups when it comes to the big shows. That's one of the things that I love about them the most is that when they do these small tours and they, they do Cork and Hall, they don't have to overdo it. And there's really no room to, and they still make it feel good. But when they go to these big arenas, they go to the big stadiums and they have an opportunity to set stuff up like this. They never disappoint. That stage setup was awesome. The, my only complaint was and early on, and I think it was because the camera team uh, and the production team just didn't catch their stride yet. They they would catch the the ramp camera guy in like every shot, and I'm like, okay, all right, they'll figure it out. And they did down the line. They they figured it out later on. But that stage was badass. Uh, you know, the screens, the the multi unit screens everywhere was absolutely fantastic. I know that ramp had to have been so freaking long. But, man, they did such a cool job with it. It looked so good. The cheering, I kept thinking about the cheering during the early matches because you weren't hearing a lot. And by the time it got around to, like, this, you know, uh, I, I want to say probably just I after. Say, I would say the uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Render yeah, yeah. When they really when, pulled. When when they got there and you could really hear the cheering, man, I'll tell you what, going into those matches where the fans really started giving themselves into it, just pumped it up to another level. It was great. I'm very happy to hear cheering back. Um, I really hope that it's something that Japan is able to do safely. I hope it's something that uh, their, their people feel good about and they feel comfortable doing it. Um, I'm excited to see that redevelop because honestly, like you said, it's different over here for us. We we've been hearing it for a long time. It never really on when the crowds came back, it came back immediately. So it, it it's weird for me because I've been to a bunch of shows since then. Um, it's weird for me to still hear just the clapping and I respect it. It's their culture. It's what they want to do. Uh, and it's what their government's selling them to do for safety reasons. I was so excited to get it back for this. It really sealed the deal on a few matches for me. 
Uh, Harry, what was your thoughts of uh, the whole ambiance, I guess you would say? I'm going to use a big word, which if that's a big word, you know that I'm not very educated. But uh, Harry, what was your what was your thoughts on everything, you know, that they did to make this feel special? I loved it. I thought it was suitable for WrestleMania, but in a proper format. You know, like it's it's that big. It was that big of a deal and it needed that type of spectacle. Uh, Kenny's, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, you know, with the wing on the, you know, on the Tron or whatever, on the, whatever, the screen or whatever was awesome. Um, the whole getup, I like the suit that he, you know, he was wearing to the ring. Uh, felt that, uh, just the way that the interaction, you know, with the fans, you can just tell the way the talent interacts is just so much on a better, more neutral level. Like it's, it flows very easy. It's not like a chaotic, you know, American crowd. Um, so I, I loved it. I was, I was like a kid in the candy store. I adored it. Very cool. So I'm guessing this is when, uh, as I've dubbed him in our group chat or our zoom call, I have a love hate relationship with Cody. This is, I believe when Harry decided that, uh, you know what, this whole job thing that I can or cannot do, I guess I'll actually pay a little less attention to that. And I'll actually take a look to see what a uh, Kyrie, Versus uh, Tom Nakano. Yep, Tam Nakano. Tam Nakano, who I'll be honest, I have not seen a lot of Tam Nakano matches. I am really a newcomer to, to stardom. I mean, I saw the the Julia uh, Siri match from uh, the twenty. I believe it was December 29th, which that was so good. One of the, one of the best matches. One of the, not even best women's matches, but it's one of the hands down one of the best matches. Of the year, and I think it's going to get lo uh, lost in a lot of people's minds. One, because it is stardom and it's not a, as big of a known brand to some people, which it should be. But also because, like I said, it was on December 29th. as a lot of best of lists mostly already written by that point. But I do think it's most likely one of the top 10 matches of the year. Unfortunately, this match will not be one of the top 10 matches no. of 2023. This was a storytelling match. And what happened afterwards is, I think the reason why this match only got five minutes and 47 seconds. This was basically a sprint. If you've ever watched Kyrie Zane in NXT slash WWE, you saw half the version of what Kyrie Zane or Kyrie can do. I thought that the presentation of her was done beautifully. I'm a huge fan of hers. I, I think the match was good. Could have been better, but like I said, it was basically they're going a thousand miles per hour because they only had five minutes. Because what we'll talk about in a few minutes would happen afterwards. But Harry, did you like the match? Did you think that it it was hurt by the fact that it was only five and a half, you know, five and a half minutes or so? What was your thoughts on the IWGP women's title match, the official first defense of Kyrie? It definitely was hurt by the time limit. I, I felt that it was kind of like just put together and run through to have the spectacle afterwards, you know? So um, I, you know, it's, it's not terrible, but it's not, you know, a spectacular match. Um, I feel that uh, you can do so much in that amount of time, if you're given that amount of time. Right. Uh, and uh, as well, I, I don't think they want her to look too over either. Like, yes, have the win, you know, to set up the next situation, but um I didn't get the feel that they were trying to have like a, like a, uh, like a smash match either. So it was kind of like a blend in between of trying to figure out a, a way of, of the storytelling 
but it didn't have the, the true opponent in it, if that makes sense. Uh, sure. And what, what were your thoughts? And I know that you've most likely watched more stardom than mostly the two of us combined. But uh, what was your thoughts on Kyrie versus Tom? Did you like it? Did you think it like me and Harry that it was a little affected by the short amount of time? What was your thoughts there? Uh, I agree completely. The time killed it for me. It, it honestly, they could have done a lot more. And I, I genuinely think this this is my biggest criticism about this entire event. A lot of these matches got affected by time, and they didn't need to. They really didn't. Uh, considering this is the first time that Stardom has been on the main card of a Wrestle Kingdom, and that uh, you know, I think it's it's Bushy Road, right? That's putting yeah. the money into Kingdom now. They dropped the ball on this hard. They should not have. They should not have given this five minutes. They should have given this a proper time. They should have moved it up the card a little bit and let them really go at it to show it. I don't think this actually helped the company at all. And even the build up to what came next, that build up sucked. Let's. I'm going to be honest with you. Like I know Corey's about to tell us all about what happened right at the end of the match. I'll spoil it for you a little bit. The arrival of Mercedes, Monet, Monet, it, it was butchered the entire time by the announce team, by the Japanese announcers. I don't know which one they're trying to go with. Are they trying to call her Mercedes Money, Mercedes Monet? Which one is it? I don't, I don't care either way. Kyrie botched uh, you know, her move there sold it improperly, did it wrong. It looked weird. And then honestly, Mercedes sounded, she sounded like she had a stuffed nose. She sounded like she's from Rochester with the, you know, we don't breathe through our freaking noses at all. Practically. We sound high pitched and weird with it. That's what Mercedes sounded like last night. And uh, I saw someone else say this and I completely agree with it. Her cadence was off. And normally I give, credit she hasn't been in front of a large crowd like that in a long long time but that is a woman who has gone down now in history in some of the best wrestling matches let alone female wrestling matches in history and she should not have i feel like her delivery was just off wait uh Mercedes Monet showed up. I, th I thought we just went right into the FTR match. Oh no, uh, you're right. That that did happen. Okay, I, I was forgetting. Now, um, I I will agree and disagree with you on the whole tie thing. I I'm I'm happy that it was one of the worst kept secrets uh, of the last you know two or three months. You know, um, I I'm a huge fan of the former Sasha Banks, now Mercedes Monet or Monet like for money. Um, I thought like her entrance video was pretty cool. I thought that I thought the present, I thought the presentation was well done. I thought, yes, I thought she came off a little bit nervous and, you know, part of the idea that the fans aren't going to know what you're going to say, you know, may not be able to understand everything you're saying because it's a foreign crowd. I think no, it, they, they understand it. The majority of the Japanese culture, uh, learns Japanese and their schooling. And a lot of them do understand English. All right, I'm showing my ignorance there. Never mind. Scrap that from the record. Sean, you were brought down here to agree with me, even if you have no, I'm kidding. Um, 
Please don't <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong, Corey. You're wrong. Wait, Jason's back? Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm already losing control of the show. It's, it's only been a couple of minutes. Now, uh, I, I thought, like I said, I thought the actual setup of her coming in, I thought that was done well. Her finisher looked sloppy. I mean, it's a gore. It's basically a gory, uh, gory special into a DDT. I think that's going to be one of those moves that's going to be hard for people to take and look good at times. There has to be a very big timing issue with that, maybe possibly. But I've never. That's been in- all. That's all Kyrie's fault. Kyrie improperly did the move. It's not on. It's it's not on Mercedes. I'm glad you said that because she's getting killed everywhere. She's getting killed it, absolutely it's, everywhere. It's not all her fault. It is Even- not. It's not all Mercedes' fault. I'm glad you said that. If you go back and watch it, she did the move just right. And when she rotated over, Kyrie didn't stop. She went straight down to her knees instead of going down to her feet and then dropping into the DDT. That's it. It was on Kyrie. As soon as I watched it, Kyrie was down before Mercedes even went into motion. It's a good point. It's not, on, it's not on her. But it, I think... Maybe that did contribute to her being nervous. That's a big, you know, you're on a huge stage. They have that, that little botch and that could throw it off. But again, I don't want to give her all the credit in the world or give her a lot of slack. Rather, she's been in front of huge, huge WrestleMania crowds, way bigger. She should not have let that affected her like that. Don't disagree. Uh, Before we get into a little bit bigger conversation about the Mercedes Monet itself. Uh, Harry, what did you think of the post-match, which took about five minutes? It was one of the, I think it's one of the biggest videos that New Japan has had on YouTube. So, I mean, it was successful in getting out there. But what's what's your thoughts on the actual segment? Do you think it was actually, besides the quote-unquote botch by, uh, by Kyrie, did you think it was a successful thing of bringing her in? Did you think it was a little... Little lackluster, like the match itself. What was your thoughts on on Mercedes' uh, first entry into New Japan? I don't think it was lackluster. Uh, I do feel that you can see, you know, Mercedes was very nervous. I don't know if it's because she was in Japan or if it was the culture, you know, or just I don't know what. I mean, you know, uh, you you saw over the internet that Bailey was there supporting her. You know, I know FTR was there. You know, already competing, so. You know, they were interacting with her, so she wasn't like by herself. Something was wrong. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a hundred percent. You know, the old. You know, uh, formerly known as you know Sasha Banks. You know, big time style to me. You know, uh, it was. It was like she was. Uh, she was playing the role of Mercedes Monet, but she's someone else. It wasn't herself. If that makes any sense. I could see that. Um, so let's get into a little bit bigger conversation about Mercedes Monet. She's the CEO of the women's division of stardom. Interesting, interesting, you know, to say the least, that is a moniker. I don't think it doesn't work, but I don't know how good of a moniker it is. But uh, the big thing coming out of the match is that on February 18th in Sacramento, California, we're going to have a match between Kyrie and Mercedes. Now, I don't know I'm sure, Sean, you know this as someone who uh, has had New Japan World for a number of years. Uh, recently, the U.S. shows 
are no longer part of the regular service. They're called pay-per-views. They're either $29.99 or whatever it is to get them when they are, or you can go to Fight TV, which I think is like 20 bucks. But Battle in the Valley, do you think that, and we don't, and we know that we're going to have Jay White and uh, Okada on the show, but is that, is Mercedes Monet a big enough, I don't know if the word's draw, but a big enough maybe attraction for people who have New Japan World or people might be looking in for the first time on Fight TV to spend extra more than their normal 750 or whatever it is with the unfortunate stability of the uh, Japanese dollar right now, where it used to be 999 yen, equivalent to 999. Now it's like about seven, a little less than eight dollars, you know, a month now. I guess the general idea is, Sean, do you think that this will draw people to actually spend more money either on Fight TV or New Japan World, the extra money than their regular subscription? No. No, I, I don't think it'll... I think it'll bring some more eyes, but I think it's bringing eyes to the wrong place. Um, I think Mercedes is there with stardom. Bushi Road has started to invest heavily in stardom, and rightly so. They have a lot of great talent there. And, uh, you know, for the longest time, it's kind of been ignored um, and only watched by, like, weirdos, I guess you would say. Some of them. Uh, some of them, yeah. Well, I mean, at least on the American side, like weirdos. But they have a strong female base of fans. Right. Bringing Mercedes in is definitely going to get those eyes. But bringing her and having her first match be back in the U.S., Battle of the Valley, why wouldn't you do something this month? Why wouldn't you set something up for the end of the month in Japan? You know, you want to make an impact with her with, your fan base, well, your strongest fan base is right there. You want to draw eyes in? Do the same thing they did with Kenny Omega, with AJ Styles. Bring the eyes in. Don't go to where there are other eyes. For people who are already familiar with her, you want other people to come in and see the other aspects of your product. Business-wise, I don't, I don't get what they're doing. I'm okay with it. I, I, I'll be happy to see her wrestle again. And honestly... I know that she loves pro wrestling. She doesn't just do sports entertainment. She's very dedicated when it comes to practicing, training, learning new styles for professional wrestling. I bet when it comes time for these matches, she's going to shine. She's going to do great. And I think the talent that she's going to be going with is going to also make her look fantastic. But I think doing it at Battle of the Valley with people who either, like me, already have an NJPW World subscription, man, I'm not about to drop 30 bucks to watch a, Sasha, you know, a former Sasha Banks match. Um, I want to make sure the whole card is stacked. Now, if you had this where it was a stardom pay-per-view that got put over into NJPW, hell yeah. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll see what they got going on with it. I, if she's there, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a stronger draw. But, hey, I'm just a fan. I'm not a business guy. Do what they're going to do. Let's see how it goes. I understand. You're, you're, you're a lollipop connoisseur. I understand. Uh, so Watermelon, how, baby. Ooh, even better. Cherry guy myself. But uh, 
So Harry, it's I know that, and I always put this to like I used to say this to Jay all the time. That guy who who left me for we won't even say why. He was a prettier woman. Um, <laughs> two kids or something. I don't know. Whatever. But Harry, I know that do the fact that we have the podcast. It's not like it's a must that you got to buy the show because we we might talk about it. But what's your what's your thoughts? The twofold one, the idea of her first match with the company not being in Japan. I know you don't want to wait mostly until April for the big stardom show that they're going to be having. But the idea of one, like I said, if you have a new Japan subscription, this is an extra charge. Do you think that could affect people not going? Or do you think it's just she is the artist formerly known as Sasha Banks, one of the biggest stars of the last decade in women's wrestling, if not the biggest besides, you know, maybe Becky Lynch. What What's your feelings on the idea of her first match being, like I said, in the U.S., having to pay separate charge and everything else. I think it's a price point thing. Um, I'm her following. You know, we'll probably pay to watch her, so leave her following out of it. You know, but like just the average person that would say would be interested in, in seeing her outside WWE. I don't think they dollars. You know, I mean, they might, but it's kind of on the fence. If it was me. And maybe maybe it's why I'm not doing business. I'm mean, sitting here talking to you, gentlemen. But if I, it was my decision to do the business aspect of it, I'd make it an extra charge, but cheaper, fifteen dollars, you know, something like that. Uh, you know, I think that two cups of coffee in a week. You know what I mean? Like, I think fifteen dollars to see Mercedes Monet and then whatever else they have for the event would draw more. Because, you know, because you're already paying for, you know, a subscription, you know, at that point. Um, why, why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't they make it a little bit easier to draw more eyes? Right. I mean, feel- oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no. I mean, I think it's kind of like what the initial idea was supposed to be of the WWE Network. Rest in peace if you live in the U.S. Uh, or Canada. But um, I think the initial idea of, of like the WWE Network was you would get all of the smaller pay-per-views as part of your subscription, and then you would pay the 60 bucks or whatever just for WrestleMania. And you would think that you get all this other stuff for that for that price point. And then because WrestleMania is the show of shows, you would be okay paying for that. I mean, they wound up making the mistake at the very beginning of saying everything's $9.99. Now it's $4.99 with Peacock and everything. Once you tell somebody you get everything for this low price, you can't then take it away because then you just you upset your your uh, your base. I I don't see it at see it's weird. Like we've had I think like three either three or four U.S. shows in the last you know year and a half that were the separate you know twenty nine ninety nine for um for New Japan World. It's basically all the U.S. shows, or I think it's like I said I think it's nineteen ninety nine on Fight TV. And I'll be honest, I did not go and buy those shows initially, or unless I heard it was a blowaway show. Hey, for anybody who wants to go and do things in legal means, that's for you guys. I don't promote or dispromote that. I mean, people do what they do. Just appreciate no one saying they're doing it on the podcast in case we get so big that they decide to rate us later on. Um, but the idea of the fact is, I do think that at least the first time, it's not a not a bad idea to quote unquote do a cash grab. Like, will there be people who are a little upset? Like, like I said, I was upset when I first found out that I was gonna have to pay for shows that were in the USA. I would have to pay an 
extra fee in order to go and see them. You know, and I was upset about that. But the idea is it's the first time. I think it's actually kind of a smart move to say, if you really want to see Mercedes Monet slash Sasha Banks in a match, you got to pay a little bit more. So I'm not a get, I don't think it's a bad idea, but it is going to be fascinating to see if this comes back to hurt the company and their bottom line. I do think like the show in Sacramento itself will now sell out due to the fact that they know she's going to be there. Really? Sure. You don't think the show is going to sell out based on her name value? No, I, I'm not going to attribute a sellout to Mercedes Monet. Um, I that's just I don't think that's realistic. Um, I think they'll definitely get they'll move more tickets, but I I don't think they'll sell it out just based on her alone. Um, well, I mean, you're talking. I, to, I, I hear what you're saying, but you know, this is also going to be from everything you're from we're seeing, like because you're going to have Okada there, you're going to mm-hmm. have. Uh, Jay that's what I was going to say. You that's, might, that's exactly what I was going right. to say. Based, and we'll go into a slight spoiler for um, New Year's Dash, but I think there's a very good chance that you're going to have Jeff Cobb versus Kenny Omega possibly on that show for his, like, his first first title defense. I could see that. So, I mean, I think this is going to be a real uh, New Japan experience with main, the main roster. It's not going to be – as much as I've liked New Japan USA – and some of the stuff they've put on, New, uh, New Japan Strong, that's not your classic New Japan presentation. I will throw in this one other caveat. Sure. I'm not willing to spend money on the U.S.-based pay-per-views until they significantly step up their production value. They're, they continuously have poor camera work. Their sound is awful. I don't know what the disconnect is for them. Their sound is terrible comparable to when they're in Japan, especially with the announcers. They sound, they just sound so bad. Mm. And it's, it's, it's a production value thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know where the aspects are. They need to do something better with their camera work and they need to step up their sound game. They don't send the same crew. They don't. No, 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 it's, no, it's no. People, but it's uh, it's not the same people. Last last thing on on uh, Mercedes, because like I said, I know we usually do 12 hour podcast. Just kidding. Um, shows. But if you were in Sacramento, I don't know how much tickets are right now. But if you were in Sacramento, would Mercedes Monet being on the card be a deciding factor of maybe going to that show? Uh, Harry, what's your thoughts there? Yes. For me, yes. Because I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, I mean, I know, I know she's not they, uh, going to sell out. Do you think they sell out this show as a result? I'm, yes, I know there's many factors, but do you think this this show does sell out as a result of her being there? I think it might. I'm not going to say 100, percent but I think there's a good chance it could. Uh, Sean, what's your what's your thoughts? If you if you were in the California area, Sacramento on the February 18th, February 18th, would you go to the show now? Because I, Yes, the whole tech experience, but do you think that could be like a deciding factor of going to throw because now because you know that Mercedes is going to be on this show? Would I go only because of Mercedes getting added to the show? No. Would I go to the show with her on it? Yeah, and it would be more enjoyable for sure. Now, I want the entire card to be strong, but I think with her on it, they're definitely going to move uh, more tickets. I don't want to say again 
Mercedes is not going to be the exact reason that the event sells out if it does. The event's going to sell out if it does because they put a strong card behind it. And she will definitely put uh, her female fan base there. And I think that'll give them some eyes to the product that I was talking about earlier. I think it will give them some eyes on the product, but it'll be the new Japan product, not necessarily the stardom product. Gotcha. So anybody who we didn't lose for talking about, you know, uh, Mercedes Monet for the last 412 minutes. Uh, next on the show was the greatest tag team, most likely of the modern era. We don't have to fight about that. We'll just go with that. I'm right. Like usual. FTR, Cash Wheeler, Dax Hardwood. Screw you, PWI. I know it's a gimmick magazine. Still bothers me a little bit, even though it shouldn't. Going up against Roki Goto, who never wins the big one. And Yoshihashi, the guy who I think, Sean, you, I think you'll be able to appreciate this. I don't think anyone has gone better in the unfortunate COVID era of New Japan than Yoshihashi. I didn't watch every show, but like pre-pandemic, Yoshihashi was starting to maybe slightly figure it out. But he now is feels like a full-blown character in these two years. And like I said, I'm not watching every New Japan show. I'll be honest. I, I mean... I've paid for the last like what five years for this, for this. I said, <laughs> you know, they're taking the money out of my PayPal account. And I go, oh yeah, I have the service. Maybe I should watch every once in a while. But I do think Yoshihashi, who was thought of as a joke for a long time, actually felt like a real life character. And as much as I love FTR, I understood why this was going on. They could only keep the titles for so long. But first of all, what's your thoughts on Yoshihashi now compared to? What we saw in the past, and uh, what was your thoughts on uh, FTR versus uh, Goto and uh, Yoshihashi? Uh, so Yoshihashi, number one, I've never liked this character. Uh, I, I, you're right. I, I, he just was not. He was a pin eater. That's what he was. He was a pin eater for so long. His character never made sense to me. He had a weird look to him. I thought, and at the same time. His his moveset, his performance, it was just boring. It was always consistently boring. And in the last three years, they I don't know what they found with him. I don't know what he found with himself. But you're right. He's definitely stepped up. He has stronger performances. He's not boring to me. I'm actually interested in seeing him. He's not. He doesn't make me change a match like... Uh, um, uh, 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 the Tokyo Pimp does. Uh, I don't skip ahead anymore with Yoshihashi. Um, Bishamon, Bishamon got uh, uh, screwed over on that PWI ranking. Uh, Bishamon wasn't even on the list, and they're great. Hiroki Goto's been doing this for forever. He's solid. He's great, and he found his groove with Yoshihashi as a partner. This match could have been so much more and they just like i said before they here's my first one tonight they fucked them with the time limit Corey. they fucked them with the time limit the show, 10, 10 minutes was, and 10 seconds uh awful that that match could have gone for another five ten minutes and it could have been even better i it was a solid match there was i have no complaints about the quality of the match short of the time that they gave them you left, I mean, you left the titles on FTR for the better portion of a year. 
They barely got to go over to Japan, and now you're you're effectively done with them. I don't see them coming back anytime soon. It sucks. They they are the best tag team. They will go down as the best tag team ever. Um, the Young Bucks are not going to be able to compare to that. And unfortunately, with the heavyweight championships, the IWGP heavyweight championships, there's just not going to be any history there for them. They held them in America. They didn't do shit with them. And it, that blame it on Tony Khan, blame it on New Japan, blame it on COVID, whatever you want. I wish this match had been given more time. I wish this match had been pushed further up the card. And I really wish we had seen more from it. So we're not going to blame it on the rain. Okay. Um, <laughs> some people on this podcast are as old as I am. Um, but I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I thought it was a good match. I do wonder how – I understand that Dax Hardwood can most likely wrestle in his sleep and, you know, just do it – have a great match. But I do wonder how much of this match was affected the idea of all the travel issues that Dax Hardwood – it took him basically three days to get there. I mean, he had two flights that were delayed. He had – he basically got there, I think, like two hours before the match. And I know that, you know – Cash and Dax, they've uh, Dax said in his very controversial Times podcast, which we'll get to that another day, that you know they don't usually talk out the matches a lot. So I mean that's that shouldn't be a factor. But I do wonder if this match was affected a little bit based on the fact that Dax Hardwood basically had three days of hell to actually get to this show. And I, I I'm not I would not be surprised if they come back to uh, New Japan again in their post press conference, which I know part of it's a work and part of it's. To set up things, I mean, they did say that their their dream was always to work in New Japan, and that they were very interested in coming back again. So, I mean, I think a lot of stuff going on with them right now is they're building kind of like with MJF, the idea of they could be leaving and going back to WWE or taking a break from everything. So we can get into this, you know, either now or down the road, the idea of you know FTR losing all of these titles. But I think a lot of this is all based on a story, at least in my opinion, maybe as a hope as the quote-unquote AEW mark. This is all leading to a story of them actually winning the titles in AEW, you know, shedding all of the extra baggage and then going at either Revolution or slightly after that, you know, winning the titles back when they've actually either had to turn heel or, you know, figure themselves out because they are the best tag team in the world. I don't think anything's done you know, not done on purpose when it comes to, to them. I think they know their characters, but I, I do agree with you. The match could have used an extra three or four minutes. I'm not saying it's got to be, you know, the amount of time they got versus Ozzy Open or how long, you know, their match was with, with Cobb and the Great O'Connor, which I thought both those matches were much better than this one. Oh God, yes. I mean, I was hoping, and I think we even mentioned it on a podcast in passing, but I was really hoping that we had the rematch of Ozzy Open versus FTR at, at the Dome. I understand that at the Dome, you want to have as many, the, the wrong term is homegrown stars, but as many um, Japanese uh, stars there to help sell tickets and the idea of, you know, national pride and everything. I understand that. But if I was booking, which, you know, luckily I'm not, I would have gone with Ozzy Open versus FTR to have one of the best, ma- <clears throat> it's funny, I keep on talking and some point Harry will actually tell me to shut up. But I think some of the best matches of the year, if you were doing a top 10, you could honestly say like five of those, five of the top 10 matches had FTR in it. Oh, hundred percent. You know, you so. can't, you're right though. They were never going to have uh, two guys in teams 
uh, going against each other at, at Wrestle Kingdom, at the Tokyo Dome. You're just not going to see that. But, yeah, uh, you're right. This does not compare to the Aussie Open match. It doesn't compare to the United Empire match earlier in the year uh, with uh, Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb. It just doesn't. And again, comes down to time. You're right about the travel that may have played a part in it, but it also may have given him that extra little push. And we just won't ever know because they didn't give him the time to do it. Yeah, and we and we still know that Cash is dealing with basically a broken ass at the moment. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but Harry, me and Sean gave a lot of thoughts on this. What was your thoughts on the uh, the FTR match? I know that you haven't been the biggest fan of them losing all this losing at the moment. But what was your thoughts on the match as a whole? I did why they had to lose. You know, as this played out with the storytelling aspect of it. You know, we knew they had to the Briscoes for a Ring of Honor. You know, because Briscoe you know, carry that torch. And with all the speculation of them taking time off of TV, well, mainstream TV, you know, uh, we've heard that, you know, that this, this might happen, that their contract might be up. They dropped the belts in AAA as well. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't shocked by it. Um, I'm very proud of Yoshihashi. I mean, uh, the, the clown I remember is Yoshihashi, baby, you know, when he fought uh, um, Adam Cole. That's what I think of when you, when you say Yoshihashi. Uh, I think of a clown that's, you know, just there for, you know, gimmicks and stuff. Um, I was very impressed. The first time I've seen him wrestle um, in a very long time. Yeah. Very impressed. Uh, I know Goto's history. I was happy for him as well. Uh, I thought the match was good. And I felt that uh, ER made them even look better. So I, I was very happy with the, with the match. It's amazing. And, Sean, I think you'll agree with me. Whoever knew putting two boring characters together would make actually two interesting ones. I mean, we could all say that Goto <laughs> is a very good in-ring worker, but I would at times, right or wrong, would rather watch Paint Dry than watch a Yoshihashi, uh, not, I'm sorry, a Hiroki uh, Goto match at Wrestle Kingdom. I think he's a very good worker and he does great things in the G1 and everything. But I, just like just like we said with Yoshihashi, I was very impressed the fact that it finally seemed like these guys had a personality, you know, I mean, and I'm not trying to, to shit on Goto and Yoshihashi. I think they both work really hard and it's been hell for everyone. I mean, that's part of the whole entire storyline with Osprey and um, Kenny Omega, the idea that they wrestled for three years in front of crowds that couldn't actually be crowds, but something really worked for them. And I'm very interested to see where they go next. I mean, I think it will be very interesting if they wind up, you know, dropping the titles to Ozzy Open. And that's where the, because I think Ozzy Open has a very good chance by next year. I know that we, I just said the idea that you want to have a Japanese tag team in your big spot. But if, you know, if someone put a gun to my head and said, who's going to be, who has a legitimate chance to be in the main event of a, well, not main event, but in a key match for the titles next year, Ozzy Open, I could see either going in as champions or leaving as champions. I really think they're, they're great. Oh, 100%. Aussie Open versus uh, Bishamon would make perfect sense. And I could see that next year at the Dome um, as long as they they build it properly and they do some quality storytelling. But, I mean, I've, I've been watching uh, New Japan since Jason introduced me to it like six years, seven years ago. I still can't figure out Gato's booking. So <laughs> who knows what... 
who knows what we're going to see next January, but that is true. Uh, well, we, we know we'll see Okada in the main event most likely, but that, that's, a, that's for another subject for another day. <laughs> but uh, so next uh, we had the new Japan uh, world television title tournament finals for the first, first champion, AKA you won uh, basically a dinner plate, I think is the best way to uh, describe that title. Zack Sabre Jr., one of the funniest men to ever listen to as he comes to the rig. Let's give money to the nurses. Um, and I know that's personal to you. So I, I can, I can tell Hell you. Yeah. Pay him. <laughs> Pay him. I, w- I wish you'd say it about emergency services. We need it too. Come on now. Totally get it. Uh, going up against Ren Narita, who I think has been uh, one of the bright lights of new Japan strong. I think he finally developed an idea and a character and we'll talk about him more in depth, you know, all right, Sean doesn't fully agree the fact he's got a character, I guess. Uh, but I, I enjoyed this match. It went 10 minutes and 32 seconds. I think the right guy won. I think Zack Sabre Jr. is the right guy to be the first champion. I do think the loss most likely led to him uh, join the stable that we saw on the following night with uh, Murder Grandpa, everyone's favorite, Minoru Suzuki. Um. Harry, we'll start with you on this one. What did you think of the match? It went 10 minutes and 32 seconds. All these TV title matches are 15 minutes or will be 15 minutes long. Did you like yep. the match? What was your, what was your, Harry, what was your thoughts on this match? I thought it was solid. Even Junior is one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. So I, he, I felt he did everything proper, protected his opponent. Um, and also me and look good. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, you could, I could Zach Sabre Jr. over and over again. He doesn't, he never disappoints in my opinion. Oh, you mean the wizard of NXT? I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's an old thing. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's, let's bring him, him and, uh, Kota Ibushi into the, uh, Cruiserweight Classic and both, neither one of them is going to win it. Cause you know, they're actually the best guys there, but whatever. I'm not, I'm not upset about things from, you know, a decade ago. It feels like. When, when but, do they ever make, make good? Uh, We're always hoping for the first one. Uh, Sean, what was, I know that you're a Zack Sabre guy, to put it lightly. What was was your thoughts on this match? Oh, it was so damn good. It it, it was just so great. Um, I will 100% give Ren Narita his credit. He was fantastic in this match as well. His selling was great. His performance overall was fantastic. Zack Sabre Jr. is perfect. For the, for the stipulations of this title, for what they're looking for with this title, absolutely fantastic. I, I don't know where you're going with Narita has, quote-unquote, developed a character. Uh, if they changed Narita's name to uh, Katsuyori Shibata II, uh, I, it would make sense to me because that's what it is. His entire character is, I'm going to be Katsuyori Shibata since they won't let Katsuyori Shibata be Katsuyori Shibata. Uh, but he looked great. I'm, like you said, uh, the, the next night, New Year's Dash, spoiler alert, Narita teaming with Minoru Suzuki and El Desperado. That's oh, great. oh, got goosebumps. When it happened, I got really, really excited. That Those two guys, first off, Desperado deserves so much more credit than what he's been getting. Oh, yeah. That guy, that guy has wrestled matches last year. You want to talk about matches that went under the radar. Desperado wrestled some matches last year. 
some hardcore matches, some death matches, and good God, was he incredible in them. Well, let, let's now, the only reason why, I mean, I, we're going to talk about it a minute. The only reason why he didn't most likely win that title, because he had, from what I've heard from the Meltzers of the world, is he hasn't signed his new deal yet. So, I mean, I guess they didn't want to go, and until he was gave them a firm saying that he's he's there, they didn't want to go for the title on him, which I think is not always a great answer. But, I mean, I could see him win the title again back pretty soon. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I thought the Ren Narita match, and I, I was kind of joking. I mean, in fact, he has a character, you know. But <laughs> let, let's let's talk about what happened after this. If you want to talk about things that were a little bit clunky, this was clunky. No, no. I mean, unless they literally told Zach that he was joining a stable 30 seconds at, before they came into the ring. The idea, and I understand Zach is an entertaining character to begin with, but him like, wait, what am I going to do with this shirt? It just felt, at least to me, felt extremely awkward. And I don't think, I think the follow-up, what they did at the press conference and what they did the next night, setting up most likely them as the next challengers for the tag team titles. I think all that worked, but the initial thing, and maybe the fact that I didn't know as much about their history, mm -hmm. as, and we're talking about TM, uh, TM, the mighty don't kneel. Yes. Who, uh, I remember when me and Jay, that guy first during the podcast, I remember seeing them on a new Japan show going, these guys are the real deal. Then all of a sudden they decided to go to WWE and it all went to hell in a handbasket. Oh Yeah. I'm just waiting to see Big Tito. Um, <laughs> but I really, I really enjoyed this match. I really, I like what they're going to do. And Harry, I'm not sure how much you followed before the show, the whole entire Suzuki guns um, situation. But basically, Minoru Suzuki said at the end of this past year, Suzuki gun, which is one of the major factions, was splitting up. No hard feelings. We're each going to go our separate way. And basically, over the last two days of Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan uh, Dash, they basically set up doing what they're going to do with all the guys afterwards once Suzuki Gun dissolved. Um, what do you think of quickly? What do you think of Zack Saber Jr. basically joining a new stable? Do you think this is a good idea for his character? Do you think he should kind of be a lone wolf? I mean, what do you what do you think of uh, him going right into another stable? Yeah, I was kind of shocked by it. I. I... I was a little confused, a little uh, naive on that particular stable. Um, so I didn't really kind of know what was going on with that. He, would he be like the focal point of it? Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's because I just feel like I don't feel Zack Sabre Jr. needs them. If they need Zack Sabre Jr. Um, that's my opinion. So if he's going to be the focal point of it, then maybe it works. Um, you know, Sorry to bring up WWE, but sliding Chelsea Green in for toxic attraction type thing, you know, like you're bringing in a you know a mouthpiece for two people who are already together. Um, so that's where I saw it. Um, research on it myself, um, and kind of get into uh, a little more knowledgeable on that end. Uh, what what's your, what's your thoughts, Sean? Do you like do you like the three of them together? And I know they have their young lion, who I unfortunately I don't remember what the name of the guy was who they who they brought in. Because Zach felt you, we just need another guy. Uh, what, what was your thoughts <laughs> on uh, Zach uh, joining a new uh, new group and finally being a leader? I was legitimately sad when they broke up Suzuka Goon. Uh, I understood why they did it. Um, I'm still sad that they did it. I loved Suzuki Goon. I didn't think they used them 
well enough over the last couple of years. Agreed. Uh, so to see Zach very quickly uh, join another stable, uh, initially I was kind of like thrown off about it, but then, you know, hearing about the history that these guys have together and uh, to your point, yeah. Okay. Maybe slightly clunky and awkward, but at the same time, like getting to see Zach show kind of a, a more uh, lighthearted fun side instead of like, you know, the cocky, arrogant asshole that he is. Uh, it, that was cool. That was refreshing. So I'm excited. Uh, I, I think Harry brings up a good point. PMDK definitely needs someone more, especially now that Jonah's gone. Um, he's gone back to WWE uh, and they're kind of in flux with what they're doing. They are a fantastic tag team. These guys have history together. I would love to see them run for the trios together. I think that would be very interesting. Um, those titles? The trios titles, yeah. Or just combine, uh, just combine them with the AEW trios titles, just make one title, and that could float no, everything. No, I, I like the never open weight six man tag. I like that. I mean, that's, that's subject for another day. But I, if that title, I mean, we could all complain that every promotion has way too many titles. But if you told me that that title was going away, I wouldn't miss it. Just personally. Yeah, it, it depends. It, it, I feel like with certain guys, it works well. With, with three guys, sometimes you get a really solid mix. Ishii and uh, Bishamon together, solid mix together. House of Torture, I don't give a crap. It's the worst team in the world, no matter what three rotation you put together. They suck. But that's, again, that's just depending on who you're putting in and who works well together, who plays off who. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Zach. I'll be curious to see if they uh, put him as more of a face as opposed to heel because it kind of seems like TMDK is pushing a face move. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, all right. Um, I think you could say most likely nothing personal against either guy, and maybe it's because of the ending of the match. On the main card, the weakest of all the matches, never open weight title. Don't Tom you dare do this to me. Tamatanga <laughs> versus Machine Gun Carl Anderson, a.k.a. I love New Japan, but WWE asked me to come back, and I said, I love money and my hot Asian wife. Um Always good to have a hot Asian wife. Don't know from experience, unfortunately. Um, I thought the ending of this match was an utter disaster. You, This is supposed to be the big moment of this match is Tama hitting the stun gun, officially becoming his own man. And it just, it looked rough. I mean, you want to say that the uh, Kyrie, uh, Kyrie taking uh, the finisher was rough? That was not as rough as this was, in, in my opinion. I don't think the match was terrible. I just think it was there. But nine minutes and 36 seconds, I believe it's the second shortest match on the on the main card. I don't know if I expected more, but in the back of my mind, I always have Carl Anderson, finalist for the 2012, you know, G1, guy who when he when he cares, he can be really good. I don't know. <clears throat> maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but Harry, did you like this match? It was okay. It was worth watching. Um, was it really worth watching? All right. Well, it, it was. It was worth watching. I. Well, I mean, I think we knew Carl was dropping the belt, right? Um, and I'm happy. For, I'm happy for Tama Tonga, uh, but it was okay. It was an okay match. Um, definitely, the end was weird. Uh, don't. I mean, 
I didn't expect Carl to take any bumps to do anything really crazy. So I, I just, I didn't really know, you know, how this is going to play out. I just knew what the ending was going to be, but even Carl coming down to the ring, he just didn't look into it. He just didn't, he looked like he was forced to be there and just do what he had to do. And then leave. I, I didn't feel it was, you know, worst performances in my opinion. Uh, Sean, try to defend this. Have fun. All right. One of my biggest arguments that I used to have with uh, the guy who used to be on the podcast Never was that, yeah, was that Tama Tonga has a character, he has a personality, and he has the ability to perform on a singles run, and he needs a push. And Jason completely disagreed with me. He didn't believe in him. He doesn't like Tama Tonga. Wow. I love Tama Tonga. I've, I've, bought, I've bought into the Tama Tonga character for a long time. I love the attitude when he's a heel uh, with the G.O.D. stuff. This was supposed to be his real – this was supposed to be the big one for him. Uh-huh. I thought – I really thought it was going to go there. Right. And Carl fucked it up so bad. He Just did fuck it up. up. He did. He fucked up every aspect of this, and I, I feel bad saying that because I, I actually also like uh, Carl Anderson as a performer, and boy, did he fucking ship it! He's in. not the same Carl, buddy. He's not the same. Oh Carl. God, no, no, he's cashed out, and I, I get it. He's and he's said it for years. You know, he said it in his podcast. We don't, we don't like to bump. We don't want to fucking wrestle. We want to get paid, but we don't want to work. Well, here it is. He got paid and he barely fucking worked. The fact that they still counted the three count after he fucked up his own move to finish the match blows my mind. The fact that he didn't get picked right back up and give him one more for good measure, but in all reality, to finish this thing proper blew my mind. I was so frustrated seeing that. The match was okay. The match had to be seen because you want to see Tama have his moment. But boy, did Carl fuck that moment up for him. Carl, Carl did 50%. He showed up and did his part. And that's it. But he didn't do nothing more than that. He showed up and he laid down. That's about it. And you know what? You got to get, and that's why Kevin Kelly is one of the best announcers, if not the best announcer in the world. Because he went, he st- he literally stopped himself from saying that there was an actual movement there. He was just like, and yeah, let's. Go. I mean, two of two of Kevin Kelly's best moments of the night was what you brought up earlier. The idea that he decided that he was taking this moment on the biggest show of the year, where more people would have most likely heard him, either at only at Forbidden Door or when he was doing interviews in WWE, to take say, PWI. You don't know what the f you're doing, with you know not putting uh, Goto Bishamon. Bishamon. Uh, on the top 50, which we spoke about, you know, at one point. But I got to get Kevin Kelly's, you know, a rare breed. I met him once a long time ago. Very nice guy. He, the, I love the fact that he's one of the reasons that New Japan is such a great, comp, you know, he's such a great spokesman. You can like or not like Chris Carlton. Charlton, for, uh, you can think he's a, you know, it was a pain in the ass pipsqueak or whatever. You know, a, a less developed version of Sean. If you could see him in the uh, in the in the screen, <laughs> I didn't mean to insult uh, anybody named Sean there. Um, 
But I really do think that this match was at least made watchable because of Kevin Kelly. And, you know, that you could say that's a nice thing that I'm saying, but I think that Tomatonga will have his moment. I don't know if Tomatonga will ever be a main eventer. I think that he this, should be. I think this run since the G1, him being the only person who beat Jay White, I think that that's helped him. But I think they should mostly have gone. I understand you want to go and you're telling a story about basically Tomatonga shedding everything from his past. Because for those who don't know, Tomatonga was one of the four pillars. pillars. He was one of the guys who started the Bullet Club. Core four is what we call them. Four. Core yeah. four. Core four. But, and, you know, I mean, if you were able to get, you know, Prince Devitt to come and then that was the match, I think it would have been a lot better. <laughs> you know? But uh, to each their own. But so what, what's interesting is two of them were the core four. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, Carl, uh, Tama, uh, uh, Bad Luck Fale, right? Yep. And uh, Prince Devitt. Yep, that's right. Devitt. So, uh, that, so, by the way, before we go any further, a name you just mentioned for the first time I can I can think of in the last however long, what, 10 years almost? Bad Luck Folly, nowhere to be found on the show. No Bad Luck Folly at all. I wonder if he's, I mean, I have no idea. I wonder if he was hurt. You know, I know that I he was, had a little bit of a run with Chase, with, uh, with Chase Owens earlier this year. You know, I thought they were actually a pretty decent tag team together. But yeah, well, I, I they don't, were. I don't remember. They were. They were in the the World Tag League, and right. Chase's father died, and so they vacated all their matches. And uh, I I'm pretty sure Fale just went back home. But the fact that he wasn't on this at all, not even in uh, the Rambo. Weird. Very weird. Agreed. Um, so we had, which I think is one of the more interesting matches of the night. I'm not saying that's for a good reason or a bad reason. Oh, you got decide. I, I, I will say one more. I just want to put one more thing in for Tomatonga. Sure. You're talking about him shedding his past. If and when they get to a point where they're going to take the title off Kenny Omega in the next five months, Tomatonga and Kenny Omega as the capsulating point to Kenny's uh, run with the new Japan U S title, that could be a great, great match right there. I mean, Kenny can, Kenny doesn't have bad matches with a lot of people. Um, Tama. I don't know if I want to see that. I mean, I'll, cause I don't, I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this later, but I mean, I think the story is Will Ospreay finally getting that big win, and I think he takes the title off of Kenny Omega. I think that's that's the story, and I don't think you have Omega win the title, lose the title 400 times before you get to that match. And do you really want Tama just to lose another match? And then it basically kind of devo- devalues the uh, the never open weight title if he, your champion is just is losing clean. I mean, I know you're a babyface, so it doesn't hurt you as much, but if Kenny does more stuff down the line past Will, and you want to have a match against Tama? No problem. I don't know if Tama will ever be at the level where he should be to Kenny Omega, but I think it would be a very interesting uh, test for Tama to see how he's developed. Um, so our next match, as we go seven hours today, uh, six-man tag team match. Uh, I believe, what did Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Kelly say? Uh, past, present, and future in the uh, last match of um, Great Muda. Or as we say, uh, Muda here, 
Taiji Mudo. Taiji Mudo. Uh, we had Tanahashi, Mudo, and Shuda Umino, or as I call him, Shuda McGavin, uh, defeated uh, the team of Los Ingovernables de la Pone, uh, Bushi, Sonata, and Naito in 9 minutes and 20 seconds. So that ma- match was actually shorter than the uh, Zack Sabre shooter match. I thought that this one felt a little bit longer, uh, maybe because I was watching Muda actually move around the ring. Uh, <laughs> I love Muda. He's one of the reasons why I'm a wrestling fan to this day. But um, I actually really enjoyed the stuff that Los Garbanables did with Sonata and Bushi with their their tributes to him. Um, I do think it's interesting in this match, before I get you guys to talk about it, that I think Muda felt like, and I could be totally wrong, but it felt like me watching this match that Muda wanted to be the star of this match and New Japan wanted this to be a spotlight on Shuda. And I think that at points this match had a little bit, it wasn't good or bad as a result, but I do think that there was, felt like uh, Muda wasn't on the same page at points with the actual show. I mean, if you, you know, if you get a chance watching the, the Nakamura match that at Noah, that was more of the star of this show is the great is the great Muda. This one, yes, it was a Muda retirement match for New Japan, but I think this match was more about getting Shuta Umino to get to that next level and to feel like you know a star, like they did with a Jay White and people in the past. You know, I mean, and this was also I believe it's the first time they said on commentary that Ta- uh, Tanahashi wasn't in a singles match in like twelve years or something. So I mean, what what at you Wrestle Kingdom? At Wrestle Kingdom, sure, right. He's been in a lot of quite a few, quite a few tag team matches over the last couple of years. <laughs> but what what did you guys think of the match? I'll, I'll start with uh, Sean here, and what what's your thoughts on my wild theory, the idea that Mudo Mudo was on a different page than everybody else on his team? Uh, no, I I agree. Um, you know the the spot that threw me off initially uh, when when Kaiji went up to hit you know the Mudo moonsault and. You had Tanahashi. Tanahashi come over and kind of, you know, beg him off like, that, that, don't do that, please. Don't do it. We don't and, want to see you die know, in the ring, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of weird because I, 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 didn't he just hit that move like three months ago? I'm, I'm fairly confident. Now, granted, before I say that I'm fairly confident he could still do it, who boy did that man, that man could barely walk in that match. Like, yeah. holy crap. Like I, his match against uh, uh, Nakamura, yeah, look as bad as that. And I don't know if it's because when he goes into the great Muda, uh, great Muda character, he's he turns it up or has you know something different entirely because it really isn't all that different from Kaiji Mudo. Boy, could he barely walk, and it looked rough, but. I, I agree and I disagree with this making it all about uh, uh, Umino. I, it, it felt very much like a tribute to Kaiji Mudo. And I thought it was proper. I thought it was fitting. But it still felt awkward. You're right. He just didn't feel like he was on the page with Tanahashi and with Umino. Uh, Harry, any, uh, any quick thoughts on uh, the old man in the sea match? I actually kind of lost interest in the match. I uh, just felt off, and uh, I because of the whole like like old man walking weird and stuff. I actually think I walked away at that point. 
Um, I do think it's interesting, like I said before, what they're going to do with Shuda Umino coming out of this. Because it felt like they might be setting up Shuda Umino versus Naito. And I think that's, I don't know if he's, who the hell knows? I don't know if he's ready for that level of a guy in Naito. I mean, I know he just had uh, the match with Will Ospreay in, in England, which I thought was good match, not a great match. I mean, being on the same show as the Aussie Open FTR match, nothing was going to compare to that. But I think he's, I think he's been helped a ton by the escort, um going into to England and doing the stuff. With John Moxley, I think he seems a lot more confident, and you saw that in like the Forbidden Door match as well. But I'm not sure if I'm ready to see or I buy the idea of Shuda Unamo Una against Naito at this point. Uh, Sean, what's your quick thoughts on that? I would agree with you entirely. Um, I think they're they're building him as quickly as they can, um, and obviously he's taken a lot of his stylings from Tanahashi. I think, I think it does feel a little bit early to be throwing them in with Naito because, let's face it, Naito's character is cool as hell. I have, uh, he's amazing. It's such a cool character, and his matches are fantastic. Umino is still building his own presence and still making himself out there. I think, conceptually, he's a thousand times further ahead than Wado will ever be, uh, with good reason for that. But it feels kind of early and kind of weird, I would agree, to be throwing him in with Naito. But then on, you know, here's the counter-argument to it. Who would you throw him in with? You know what? If you want to do something with Los Governables, I would do put him with Sonata. I mean, Sonata, I think I – mean, I know that Sonata can be very hit or miss at times, and you're not sure if Sonata will ever get at the level that I think the company wants him to be. But I think Sonata would be a good test for Umino. He wins that feud, and then you could say he doesn't need to face Bushi or anything, but I think you could almost set up the ladder of him going up against the members of Los Ingobernables. And if you want, you could have, you know, Sonata, you know, have a feud with him for, you know, a month or so, and then you could do Naito, then leading him. Nah. Nah. Sonata doesn't have any. He doesn't have the juice for it. If you know what, if you're gonna go uh, in Gobernables, I I go ahead and put him with Shingo, 100. percent Well, we Shingo's all know what Shingo is doing at the moment. So, yeah, no, you're right. But Harry, what do you think? Who who would you throw him with? Oh, wait, wait. I, that's the thing. Like, so so like, I was already frustrated the fact that Nido is in a three. I mean, I know he's part of that faction, all that, and he's, you know, and I get it, but I was being gone from New Japan for so long, I just got like reacquainted slowly to see Naito at a bigger level. Like, that's why oh, I was I kind of disappointed. I'm sorry, I got the perfect answer. Who should fade? Shoot at Umino, Kenta. Umino versus Kenta. I think that Kenta's a big enough name, Ted still has a big enough name that if he lost to Umino, it would be a substantial win to put on his resume. And Kenta is Kenta's at the point of his career where he can lose matches. And I think that, yeah, you would love to see him get higher up on the card. And I think that, you know what, you can play off of the, and maybe they already had this match in New Japan strong leading into the Moxley feud with Kenta getting the title back. 
But I think you can you could even if you get you know Moxie to come back, you can do a tag team matches with with Kenta and you know somebody else from I guess Bullet Club or you know something like that. I'd love to see him, I, but I think he would lose the feud. Have him go up against uh, El Fantasma. I think they could have great chemistry. I didn't think of Kenta. That was a good. That's a good. Good. Think of that at all? No, I I agree entirely. El Fantasma or Kenta would be perfect for him. And like I said, you have him, and then you know maybe face Sonata, and you can do that slow progression of facing you know facing Naito by the middle of the year. You know, I mean, because I do think him and Naito could have good matches together. And I think that, like I said, Naito's in a place where Naito can lose 90% of the year, then have a run in the G1 and still be a viable option to headline the dome. You know, and I think that I know Naito has been dealing with a ton of injuries over the last few years. And he's not the same Naito he used to be. But I do think he can get up for that type of match, you know, so. Is that what? What happened with Naito? Like, I'm a little naive to the situation. He's- yeah, he's, uh, he had the eye injury, and then he had a couple other things over the last past year. Past year his so. knees. His knees are shot. Yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, and then I think I think he had I think he had a legit neck injury as well. I don't think it was, like, anything like you're looking at paralysis, but I think it was causing issues with the spine. But his knees have consistently been a problem for the last five years. Because yeah. the guy, the guy I remember was, you know, top shelf, you know, he was really, you know, really top of the end. So yeah. seeing him in the, in the three man tag, he just kind of like threw me off of it because I haven't been following him. Enough. Don't be, don't be thrown off. Uh, he had matches last year that were pretty fantastic. He can still pull it out, but yeah, he, Corey's right. He's, he's been dealing with the injury bug for a while. Yeah. You know, you can only have so many matches and I know Hopefully, Kota, Kota Ibushi comes back soon. But you can only have so many matches in a short period of time of just being thrown on your neck back and forth before damage happens. And he's 40 years old. So, I mean, he is, he's getting up there a little bit. I mean, I still think Naito in the future could headline a dome show maybe some point. But I think that would actually be interesting down the line, him versus Shooter. But I don't want to see that yet. Uh, going into our not, our, not our co-main event, but right before our co-main event third from the top, our, our uh, match for the IWGP junior heavyweight title match. Um, I think you had Will Ospreay, Matt, uh, no, um, <laughs> Marty Scroll, and uh, no, <laughs> back about, ten, about five years. Um, no, so you had uh, Hiromo Ta- Takahashi winning the title, defeating the current champion uh, of Ishimori, El Desperado, who should have the title at the moment, in my opinion. And Master uh, Watto, I just think the name is terrible even to begin with. It's almost as bad as evil. Oh. But um, I give Master Watto, he's gotten better over the past year, but he's still, he is not on the level where he should be in these type of matches. If you want to say that Master Watto, changing his name possibly, is in, the, is in this match in two years, I don't have a problem with it. But you couldn't put, you know, a Leo Rush or a Yo or a Chris Bay Ace Austin, someone else is the fourth fourth person in this match. I think it would have been a so much better of a match. I, I do think it was a really strong match. Not In no way is it my top match of the night, but I think everyone did a really good job. But I'm going to give you my biggest criticism of this whole type thing. I understand that Kushida got foot and mouth disease, so he's, he wasn't able to perform uh, at this point, and that whole type feud with Ishimori fell apart. But 
Takahashi is very good. I'm not saying he's not. But I don't need to see him as the face of the vision for the next 20 years. He is not Jushin Thunder Liger. He's not. Is he charismatic? Absolutely. And you want, if you want to make him a heavyweight in another year, that's fine. This company is never going to have a junior heavyweight at this particular time period headline the dome. You can make him feel like a co-main event guy for a dome show maybe at some point. But I don't know. At this point, Hiromo doesn't need to be champion. It just feels like rinse, repeat. I know last year he didn't win the title. But it just feels like every time I look around, uh, Hiromo is champion. And I don't think he needs to be. Sean, tell me I'm wrong. And uh, you can tell me why this match needed more than uh, 16 and a half minutes. Okay. One, you're wrong. Uh, I love Takahashi. I know a lot of people will go back and say, yeah, he's been, uh, you know, the junior heavyweight champ over and over and over. Uh, Let's hold on and remember there. He was gone for the better portion of a year when his neck was literally broken. I'm a big fan of Daryl. Daryl was actually my... Daryl's... Whatever. Daryl's, you know, that was a cute little character from three years ago. I'm glad that he's not coming around. I love the time bomb. I love his style. I mean, uh, Harry, if you haven't had a chance to see Hiromu Takahashi in a lot of action, you need to go back and look up some of his matches over the last three years. He is... Absolutely. That dragon... So... Dragon Lee broke that man's neck, legitimately broke his neck uh, on uh, a botched throw. And it it was scary and very sad. And I'm very happy he's back. But Takahashi's style is, you know, reckless, wonderful, and it just insane. And I love it. And that character is equal. He's a madman. And not like maliciously, just completely psychotic. It, it's it's a fun character. It's easy to get behind. It's fun to watch him. He's interesting. He brings more eyes. I agree. I want El Desperado of all the junior uh, type or of all the junior heavyweights right now. Mm-hmm. I want Desperado with the title on him because I think he puts on the best matches because I think he has the best performance overall. But in this match, it, it made sense for Takahashi going into this new year. You're going to get Kushida back. Their rivalry before Kushida left and went to NXT was great. Those guys are fantastic together. You're talking gasoline onto a fire when you have the two of them together. It does make sense for this. Um, I, I don't necessarily think you needed more time. I remember watching this and thinking back a couple years ago when it was the four-way junior heavyweight championship match. Uh, I, I want to say it was uh, Osprey still at the time of junior heavyweight. Uh, uh, Hiromu. Romo Scroll and uh, I can't remember who the fourth person was. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It was a fucking terrible match. It didn't feel right. The, the whole pace of the match was off. Uh, they had like that weird spot where Osprey climbed up uh, a light post and like right, did a yeah, backflip off of it. The whole thing just felt off. I remember watching this match, thinking about that, and watching this match, I never once got that thought. Everything in this match felt like it went together. It felt like it flowed better. 
And I didn't, I, I thought I was going to have that same issue because of Wado. That fucking German suplex. That, that suplex that Wado delivered was incredible. I mean, the, the absolute peak, the hang time, and the placement that he had for the landing on that was stupendous. I'm willing to give him more of a chance if he puts on performances like that. He was solid in it. This match was great. All right. I don't know if I would say – I thought it was very good. I don't know if I would go to the great level, but everyone has opinions just like something else. Uh, Harry, any <laughs> quick thoughts on uh, Master Watto and uh, the, other, the, the other little rascals uh, in the junior division? Uh, I enjoyed the match, even though I'm not too familiar with them, but I've been, but I made sure to take notes to like, you know, eventually kind of, you know, watch some of their previous work, but I enjoyed everything I saw. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't think it was a bad match. I just think, I almost feel, you know, maybe one of the things was, and I know that we're going, what I'm going to say is going to be the exact opposite of what this show is, but I almost felt like if, if like Wrestle Kingdom was two nights again, Yes. This felt like it should have been on night two. It just felt like there was, I don't know if it maybe was a little bit of a letdown from the two matches before of, you know, old, old man, uh, old man Muda, who I, I respect and I love. I mean, him and Sting are two of the main reasons why uh, I'm still a fan to this day. But, I, and, and also, like I said, the cluster F of the finish of uh, Carl Anderson, maybe I was just a little bit, I don't know if I was out at that point for, I needed to almost be like a, you know, an AW crowd where high, 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 high women's match. High, high, high. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. Maybe I have to rewatch this match and I'll have a better, better love for it, but it just didn't do much for me. We're getting to the last two matches of the night. I'm going to ask this right off the bat. Do you think people are, and Harry, I'll let you, I'll let you take this one first before we actually get into the match. Do you think this is the praise that this is getting now? Dave Meltzer, you know, most likely had a star rating orgasm where this is going to be like a nine star match. You know, apparently that, you know, people are saying this is a top five match they've ever seen and everything else. Um, is this the, is this the top five matches you've ever seen in your life? Is, one of the top, is this the top five matches you've seen in the last year? Top five in the last year. Sure. Top five in my life. That's tough. And it's not worthy of a conversation of top five, top five of all time, but it's top 10 match for sure of all time. Oh, wow. Conversational piece. All right. Uh, Sean, as you uh, get ready to go and roast me for my uh, weird opinion here, what was your, did you think this is a nine star match better than uh, Okada and Kenny and whatever, you know, is this the best match you've ever <clears throat> seen? Whatever other BS that people are recency by bias. I mean, it's, I thought it was a masterpiece. I'm not saying no, but is this is this even the best Kenny match you've ever seen? No, it's not the best Kenny match. Uh, that will that will forever be Okada and Omega two mm-hmm. for me personally. Um, do I think that this match ranks up there? I I think it's tied for me uh, in terms of probably. I'll put this in my top three Omega matches. Okay. I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it in there, hand over fist. Uh, I think the storytelling on this was next level. Uh, I think the storytelling in this is, is better than anything he's done in AEW. Um, the storytelling in this 
is equal to the level that he did when he was working with Okada. Um, I, I think that this is was an absolutely perfect match. Uh, I know there were callbacks in this match to Okada, uh, to uh, even you know his arrival, uh, to not just his arrival in AEW, but uh, you know his his arrival with the Bullet Club and uh, his arrival to leading the Bullet Club and you know taking down your your hero AJ Styles, Harry. Um, I legitimately think that this was one of his best matches of ever. I'll put it in his top three for me. I think throughout the match, I didn't, I really thought that this was going to be the one that Osprey was going to take. I, I legitimately thought like, okay, Kenny's coming back. Yeah. Osprey will take it from him. Maybe this will become a, a running thing. He'll come back to AEW and throw it in. His, I don't know. When he stepped up the level of violence and just the sheer uh, ferocity of the match, I I got locked in. I stopped everything else. I'm an ADHD guy. You've seen me while we're doing this. I'm looking everywhere, doing every other thing. When that match was halfway through and everything was starting to step up, I shut everything else off. I focused entirely on it. He had my full attention. The storytelling was that good uh you know just little things in that match Uh, like i said the callback to using the table and the double stomp on the table i was like oh okay that's a great callback when he went back six minutes later and just started smashing will's head through the table when's the last time you saw that harry what ecw in 1998 yeah that leaves that long ago for sure Corey, when's the last time you saw someone actually put on that level of ferocity that wasn't, you know, a hardcore match? Good point. I mean, like I said, I'm not saying I didn't like the match. I'm just, I always think that, and you could tell me I'm wrong here because Harry uh, occasionally will, not often enough, but he occasionally he will, that the recency bias of seeing something five minutes ago, you think it's the best thing you have ever seen. Like, when I and we'll we can get into discussion in a in a moment about Kenny Kenny AEW versus Kenny New Japan the style and it's like it's a, it's a, basically it's almost two different people I totally understand the cleaner is one one thing jokey Kenny who's made all his money is another thing I, I totally get that did this make me feel like I was transported back you know four years ago and watching some of the greatest matches I've seen in my lifetime absolutely. But, like, I think, and you'll tell me I'm crazy, and I know it's a throwaway match after three years in AEW, but I think, I, I believe it was, like, New Year's uh, New Year's Dash or the very last show of the year, I think it was two years ago, his match against, um, oh, my God, I'm having a brain fart here. <laughs> uh, Lucha, Lucha Brothers. Um, oh, Pentagon. Oh, Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah. He had a match. At, I believe it was the last match Phoenix. of 2020, either 2019, 2020, where they yeah. basically had, I think, one of the best matches I've ever seen. It's four years ago, and I know that the talent level that every week we see great wrestling, and there's a match that no one's ever seen. And five years ago, now this match would be, you know, top three matches of, of all time. Like I understand, and part of the whole type of thing about this feud leading in. And I know that this was all of this is leading up to a choreographed work thing and everything else. I totally understand that. 
But the idea of Kenny Omega had big matches that mattered, and Will Ospreay had a bunch of five-star matches that no one saw. I love the storyline on that, and I think that brought out the best in Kenny. But I don't know if this is even the best Will Ospreay match I've ever seen. I think Will Ospreay versus Sh- uh, Shingo. More, uh, the, either yeah. the best of the Super Juniors final that they had, I thought was, you know, top notch. I thought sh- when uh, the, the match that they had for the world title, I thought was amazing. I thought the G1 match that uh, Okada and uh, Osprey had this past year is, you know, most likely a top five match of the year. Like I said, recency bias. And I know you have two of the best workers in the world when they're on. I just don't. And I know it's nitpicking here. And how often do I get a chance to talk to Sean and tell him how much I think of him? You know, um, do you see my point, though? I mean, I think it's a great match. But I don't know if, if, if we look back three months from now, if we are lucky enough to, like with Dominion, have Sean on with us, are we going to say that that was still the, even the best match of this year? You know, you know what I'm trying to say here? Here's, here's my counter argument to that and why I think you're wrong. This match, uh, they've been building this match solidly. With Osprey popping back over with not so great matches in AEW, uh, they've you know they've I had like the uh, I like the cash wheel and I mean the um the Dax Harwood match I thought that was a a great match I mean I I'm I'm talking specifically Kenny and Osprey oh, okay uh, you know this this little rivalry and the joking like the big brother little brother kind of thing that they've they've done the little jokes about and it it's developed enough to a point where you look at it and you say, wow, there's a lot of potential here. Like this could, this could be really good. And when they were ramping it up, when they announced that Kenny was legitimately coming back and was going to be part of Wrestle Kingdom and that the match was against Osprey and they ramped up the level of uh, storytelling with this. You had, you had, I a, was, you had a good old fashioned wrestling boner. I got you. It just, it was, it, that's what part to me, that's what makes this match so good. It's not just what they did in the ring, not just the physical performance. It's the overall storytelling of it. Mm-hmm. And I think this match had that. I think it had all of that. You had Osprey who was absolutely a thousand percent, you know, his, his promo before uh, the night before where he, he was worked fired. to shoot. It was, Tell me that's not already promo of the year, man. I was, I, was, I, I love the term work shoot. I feel like I, I took so, that from somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so, but I, he had that, and that was already late. That was late in the game, and I was already sold. He did that, and I was just like, fuck yes, let's do this. So, you know, co-main event, fuck yes, let's go. And when they went through this, and they went through that match, it just got so fucking good. And you're right, recency bias is definitely always going to be an issue. You're right, Osprey and Okada's match, was it was a better work of Osprey's abilities uh, than this was. Um, but I feel like storytelling-wise, emotion-wise, ring psych-wise, this was the stronger match. Uh, I agree with you. I, I agree. Uh, uh, Harry, you're not allowed to be with anybody except me. That's part of the. Uh... No, no, hear me <laughs> out. No, no. Yeah, no, hear me out. So, so I think it's the intensity that Kenny, you know, brought to it. And I'm not saying he hasn't been intense ever before, because obviously he has. But his aura, he was putting off throughout this. I mean, 
mortality with it. And then the fact that um, Osprey wouldn't die, you know what I mean? Like he just wasn't gonna, he wasn't, he wasn't falling down for nothing. You were gonna have to literally kill him, you know, for him to eventually give in. I, that's what I loved about it. You know, I, when he, when he started bleeding, you know, so quickly, you know, I thought, okay, this match is going to wrap up pretty quick. I, I didn't it's know they hired Moxley. I got you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Did uh, Ted Cagney love you for saying that? But uh, in all seriousness, uh, I thought, okay, so the match is going to end pretty quick. It, you know, it longer, but it didn't drag. It was just, it was, it was beautifully played out in both performers. I felt did a tremendous job playing their parts to it. As much as I hated the outcome, because I really wanted Osprey to be over. I understand why now we're going that route. It's so that, you know, uh, Osprey will now come to America and try and, you know, chase down Kenny. And I think that's, you know, it's just like uh, Corey said earlier, it's like the first stage of that whole, you know, long play in the storyline. But that's why I really felt this match was a top five caliber. Here's And here's the one part I want to caveat off of exactly what Harry said. And here's a question I'll propose to you both. And we can ask the same question again at Dominion. How much stronger is Will Ospreay's character now after that match? How much stronger <coughs> does his character look? It's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, uh, so let's, let's quickly about Ospreay and then we'll talk a little bit Omega. As like I said, people have already gone back and forth and more three times uh, as they're listening to this marathon. Um did you guys get a chance to see the uh, post-match press conference for Will Ospreay? Oh, I I, I only caught the first two minutes of it. I had stuff going on, and I just his physical body language alone, his body language. I mean, I love the fact, and I will give full credit, and I I'll say it. I'm a fightful mark. Sean Rossap was a key part of this whole type feud with having the two big interviews with Kenny basically putting the seeds in for this match and then Will being on, I guess, last week or the week before and giving more backstory. I mean, I even commented, yes, me marking out for uh, marking out for Sean Rossap, big surprise in the podcast. But, you know, I even said, you know, that the interview really helped me get more into this match, understanding some of the backstory and everything going on with it. But one of the things that came out was the fact that Will Ospreay, and I know that, there's a similar thing now going on possibly with Jay White, which we'll talk about in a minute, where he could be – his contract could be done sooner than later. I don't think that's true, but the idea that Will Osprey said, in 2024, my contract is up. I'd like to stay, you know, one, because, you know, he's got some anxiety issues about being away from home with the in the U.S., but the idea in his in, – in the press conference, he went and was like, I'm giving this one more year. If I'm not at the place I feel I should be by the end of the year, I'm done. Of course, you're the best. You're one of the top three wrestlers maybe in the world, if not the best wrestler in the world. It's all storyline. And he did a great job of showing the heart and the passion, just like Jay White did with his promo a little bit later on in the night. But the I think that the idea here, what Walt Ospreay is, this is going to be a year of him proving that he's no longer in Kenny's shadow, Okada's shadow, in anybody's shadow. I think there's a 50-50 chance by the end of the year he might be on his own and he may not be part of the Empire anymore. I think, I mean, that might be out there crazy because I I do think they're a great stable, but I think he's very similar 
to, you know, kind of with the Tomatonga that we spoke about earlier. I think this is a year where he sheds his past and he becomes a new man. I think he could have, you know, another match if Kota Ibushi somehow comes back, which I don't think he will. I think, you know, I could see them retelling that story. I could see them him doing more stuff with Shingo. I think that this will be the year that he realistically finally beats Okada clean. You know, I mean, anybody, almost anybody being Okada clean is, is a weird idea because, you know, he's Okada. But I do think this is going to be a major year for Will Ospreay and the character of his development and how he overcomes losing the biggest match of his of his career that didn't involve the world title. You know, so, I mean, I think there's a great story there. Two, Kenny Omega in New Japan is, quote unquote, the best bout machine, the wrestling god, everything that Don Cal. Oh, that's the one thing I wanted to bring up, and I'll bring that up in a second. You can tell me I'm crazy or not. But Will um, Kenny Omega, New Japan, is one thing. Kenny Omega, AEW, is another thing. Why do you think that is? Is it just he respects the style of Japanese wrestling more? I mean, is it that he's just going to be there for big matches and he's just going to step up? Why do you think there's this, and maybe I'm totally wrong, but this feels like there's a dis- disconnect of the Kenny Omega we knew and the Kenny Omega that we've gotten for a good chunk of his AEW run. That's, he's injured. That's a, what is it? No, no, he's not. He's not injured at all. He just he was. Back. No, he was. No, he oh, was no, injured. We understand that, but, but uh, Sean, what's your theory? I know you're going to tell me I'm crazy, but w- what do you think the difference is AEW Kenny versus New Japan Kenny? It's really simple. Uh, it, American audience, Japanese audience. Okay. You're, you're talking about two entirely different methods of storytelling, two entirely different styles. In America, you, you got to cut promos. That's what they, that's what, it's what WWE and WCW gave us for the last 30 years, right? You got guys who come out, they cut promos. They don't fight every single time. They talk a little bit of shit. They say some stuff. They do some, you know, sneak moves. They, you know, did a run in or something, whatever. That's the American style of wrestling. AEW is great in the sense that they are not sticking strictly to that method and they are letting their matches do more of the talking. But New Japan and the entire Japanese style, it's not about promos. That's why they do their promos after the match. That's why they don't talk shit, you know, a lot before they do, but they don't do a lot of it. They don't walk out in front of, you know, 20,000 people and yap, 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 yap for 15 minutes or five minutes. And inevitably they're going to get interrupted and beat down three times before pay-per-view. They make their comments after a match. Then they have their match. Their buildup is entirely in the ring. And that's why Kenny's, Kenny in New Japan and Kenny in AEW are two different people. In Japan, he was cutting promos that were like maybe two minutes long at best. In AEW, no, he's, he's got to cut promos every week when he was the belt collector. He's got to go out there and do 15 minutes just talking, not wrestling, talking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's two completely different styles. You're trying to keep people coming back and coming back and coming back. In Japan, they're used to seeing this. 
you don't think, but let me touch you off there for one second, Sean. You don't think his in-ring style, and I understand that it's the dome and everyone is bigger, you know, really puts their best effort at the dome. But you don't think his his wrestling has been, his in-ring action is better in New Japan than it's been in AEW. Yes, he's taken more chances. He's had these hardcore matches with John Moxley and a lot of that stuff. And I understand that the idea was the first year of the company, the Bucks, Cody to a certain extent. I don't want uh, I don't want you to get triggered over there, Harry. Uh, but Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny Omega, year one was getting the younger talent over the Darbies and the Jungle Boys and everybody else. Year two is when they went and were the most important part. You, they got titles and everything. But maybe I'm just saying, and I know I said that I loved him versus um, Phoenix. It's one of my favorite matches of the last four or five years. Why do you think that the style is in ring is so much better in New Japan? Are you okay. just facing, you know, the two or three of the best workers in the world? You no, know, Naito when he was healthy, Kota Bushi when he, you know, when he was was healthy, Will Ospreay was the, the greatest wrestler of some generations, and Okada, who's you know, Okada. So I mean, I know he's facing so, some, you know, much better workers, you can say, but what do you think? So two parts. Two parts to that. One, Harry's right, and, and I was wrong on this. Harry's right. He was wrestling injured for a long time. And when he went out for, what was that, seven months, eight months? I believe it was nine months. Nine okay, months. Not, nine months. He was out a full nine months. He had multiple surgeries. His recovery time was long. And he came back, and I, he even said, like, I'm not going to be wrestling this style very often for much longer, I believe. And I think that was part of the reason were those injuries. He is now healed. And we've seen him, you know, doing the trios matches, which is what he wants to do uh, over in AEW right now. It's what he's interested in. But at the same time, I compare, I compare it in, with what he did in AEW while he was the belt collector, to what we are seeing him do in AEW now and before he departed that comparing those two is is again it's two completely different styles mm -hmm. uh it, it, you're again in in aew while they are allowing their matches to do a lot of the talking for it i think darby allen uh on dynamite last night is a great example of that letting darby allen go completely fucking Ancient. insane oh my god and just doing crazy crazy moves Letting that match talk more than his in-ring promos made sense. I think that's, but again, still Darby has to cut promos. In New Japan, Kenny doesn't need to cut promos. They know who he is. His matches have, I mean, he has the best matches in New Japan of all time under his belt with Okada. And I, I think the reason why you see two different styles is, again, two different beasts entirely. New Japan, uh, and we, we just talked about how uh, uh, Antonio Inoki died and the Puro Iso style, the strong style that he pioneered and what that company is based off of is uh, it, it's light years away from what AEW is, which a lot of people, you know, the, the, the lowbrow people will say, oh, it's the second coming of WCW. No, fuck that. And what that is is a culmination of so many different companies 
coming together under one roof with uh, a very high quality product. But again, it's an American product. You're still going to not see people do the highest extent of their abilities in the ring. Japan, that's expected. Harry, what do you think? I think you're right. I used to do it. It's very true. I, I for all the watch New Japan pro wrestling on and off, whatever the promo part wasn't big. I don't remember many pieces of talent out there, you know, trying to push, you know, push their character, push who they were, you know, into, you know, into the crowd. It was the show itself sold it. You know, it's it's kind of like the person who just, you know, there's there's the person that acts like the salesman that sell it. And then, you know, in, if they put up the back end of it, they do or don't, you know, it's, then it's the other salesman who really job and the job sells itself. So basically it's Hulk Hogan in the eighties doing the promos and Hulk Hogan then being shitty in the ring. Gotcha. I, I got you what you're saying. <laughs> oh, it's breaking my balls! No, no, no. It, <laughs> it, it, the, only, the only way I can put it to you is, is like in my line of work, you know, like uh, you know, you can try and sell door to door your services, right, for whatever it is, or you can do a bang up job for a customer, and then the customer loves you to death, right? And then that customer, he's he's Sally, you know, I have an ant problem. Oh, really? I have the guy. He did this, this, and this. So it's it's the true testimony of the body of work rather than just running the biscuit. So that's, that's what I'm trying to say. It's advertising versus word of mouth. That's yep. yeah, Harry's Harry's a hundred percent, right? It's right. advertising. You're never back allowed back on the show. You're not supposed to agree with. <laughs> this, I no longer have to deal with Jason stealing my spotlight. Now I can truly be <laughs> the, the arrogant prick that I've always been. I'm, there's no, this is my show. No kidding. Uh, Harry, doesn't it feel nice for someone to actually say something nice about you? That hasn't happened like six or seven episodes. So, but Harry's Harry's right. These guys got to in AEW got to go stand in the middle of the ring, and if you fuck up a promo, American audiences are never going to let you live it down. Especially in AEW, they will cut you no slack, zero mercy. They will call you out on it. In Japan, if if you cut a promo in the ring, they are dead silent. If you say something that uh, that makes them feel a certain way, they will give you that reaction. If you give them something that really lights a fire under their ass, they'll let you know. But it's a rarity because what you do in the ring speaks more volume to them. That's all there is to it. And I think Kenny in AEW is Kenny getting to do different things that physically he doesn't normally get to do or didn't get to do with AEW. He gets to have a little bit of fun, like you said, fun time guy with his money. But also at the same time, he gets to practice different skills that New Japan really only utilized when they brought a full production crew and did these like 10 minute uh, video interviews that they would play in between, uh, you know, the run up to one of their bigger events of the summer or the fall. Absolutely. So my other my other thing, and I know that, like I said, I thought we would be done with this match by now, but as good as it was, 
there's so much to unwrap with this match, man. Absolutely. This is going to be a, a whole separate podcast if anybody actually uh, hasn't died from boredom as a result. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I love, I, I absolutely love, he's, I, I think he's a great heel. I think he adds a ton to the Kenny Omega character, especially in Japan. Sean, I think you know where I'm going here. Did Don Callis on commentary help, hurt, or did nothing for this match? Because I'm going to be honest. I listened to this. I, I watched the match, I think, twice with commentary. I think that Don is just at times too over the top. And I don't think he means to hurt a match. I really think Don Callis kind of hurt this match. For me, a little bit. That would be something against, I mean, Don and Kevin Kelly, when they were doing the stuff together years ago before Don left, I thought they were great. And I think if, you know, they had more time to be together for like a six month to a year period, they'd be back into their old groove. But I personally think Don Callis hurt this match a little bit. Tell me I'm wrong or right or, or didn't affect it at all. I didn't notice it at all. Okay. I'm going to be honest. And, and the reason why I didn't notice it is what you were watching in the ring was so much more interesting. You talked about it earlier. One of those things where you can shut the volume off and is it still going to be interesting? You could have shut the sound off for that match. I would have sat there and ate a bucket of popcorn watching it. It was what you were seeing was absolutely stunning and fantastic. With or without what? The hole in the popcorn. Well, I mean, <laughs> we all got to have a little bit of fun, right? There you go. Uh, no, Harry, but... Harry, how do you feel about that? Since Corey never lets you get a word in here, I'll be the guy. I'm on your side here, Harry. We're going to put him back in the corner. Harry, what did you think? Did Don mess this up or did Don actually help it a little bit or nothing? Tell me, but I don't remember what Don said. Wow. Well, okay. I'm. Being, I don't remember what he said that ruined it. I, I, I'll. I'm watch it now because I, I don't remember what he said that in the match that I just didn't. I, I can't remember one word he said. I remember. I remember Kevin Kelly like like scolding him at one point or, or saying something to him. That's all I remember. But I, I couldn't even tell you what that was because I was just so in tune into the match. Hey, mate, like I said, I'm not saying it destroyed the match for me, but. I feel like certain things you just got to bring up just to put all your cards on the table on. And like I said, I don't think Don is, is bad when he's in AW for the most part. I think he helps go and give you a reason to either feel sympathy for people and different things. I think he's a very good announcer at times. And I thought his first run in new Japan, I thought he was, he was great. Oh, phenomenal. He was you great. Know, he was basically another form of like a Steve Carino on commentary. I, I really, oh. Yes. Steve, Steve Carino, I know he's making a nice living in, in WWE. Somehow he's one of those guys who's, who hasn't gotten cut. Good for him. But Carino really helped, you know, get over the idea of the super kicks, you know, with the Young Bucks. Don helped get over other people. But like I said, just for me personally, at this point, Don Callis is a little grating on my nerves. I know he's supposed to be. I know he's supposed to be. It's part of his character. He's supposed to be basically, he's the invisible hand. He's supposed to be that voice in the back of your head that's telling you do the wrong thing. He's, he's basically, he's basically the devil. He's, so you're, you're, you're saying that Cyrus, the virus is doing exactly what he pioneered doing 
30 years ago to you still to this day? I still do not like the network. No. <laughs> TNN could Harry, <laughs> Harry, come on, man. That was a perfect throwback for you to ECW. It was. And, and you know what? This is the last bit I'll say on this because we beat the it. The real Jack. Yeah. You caught me off guard with the Cyrus the virus. I, I was sitting, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I remember that name. Corey, here's the last part I'll throw to you on yeah. this. You could have taken the commentary crew from Power. You could have taken the commentary crew from GCW. You could have taken the commentary crew from, you know, some hillbilly deluxe backyard bullshit and put it on this match. The match would still have been phenomenal. I don't disagree. You're not. You're not wrong. Like I said, it was just a nitpick. Had to get it out there because you know. This what is my was idea. the nitpick though? I want to know. Todd Callis, I just, I feel like Callis sometimes, even I even thought it when uh, you had Omega versus Chris Jericho at the Dome, I just felt that he talks almost too much about himself in some of these things that it kind of takes away from the genius what's in the ring. But like I said, we, we've spoken He's way too long. He's been doing that for years. So that doesn't surprise me. He's a moron. It, He's always been it, that kind. It's the Eric Bischoff move. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> this, is, this is classic. This is, you know what this is? Corey literally couldn't find something he didn't like about this match. He was so desperate to have a way <laughs> to shit on this match that he's no, like, no. he's like, fuck, what am I going to do? Oh, wait, I can go after Don Callis. I mean, what else am I going to say? <laughs> It should have been thirty five. It should have been thirty five minutes, not thirty four. Not thirty four, thirty eight. They hit me at twenty two seconds. No, um, great match, great great storytelling. Not the best match I've ever seen, but I'm sure at the end of the year it will be somewhere in that top ten match of the year. Bro, that's going to be top three. I guarantee it. All right, we will. We'll definitely see. So the match that unfortunately had to follow this classic. Which I still thought was very good. IWGP World Heavyweight Title Match, Okada versus Jay White, thirty-three minutes and three seconds, second longest match of the show. Okada in the start of the fifty-first year of the company, won in honor of the founder, dressed as the founder, basically is the new founder. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed the match. I almost, this is a match you've got to watch. Yes. I've only had a chance to match, watch it once. I was going to watch it again today, but then with some setup stuff, you know, didn't get a chance to finish it. I think it's a very good match, but it's one of those things where there's a reason why you have quote unquote buffer bathroom breaks. Unfortunately, in the mid nineties, the, the women's bra and panty matches, or whatever you want to say in the WWE. Maybe the Brown Perry matches got you ready to go to the bathroom. That's another subject. Um, but I really feel that there sh I understand they're the two mains, but I, I think you most likely should have had maybe you should have had the, the four way. No. Or the you don't think you should have no. had a match in between. No, no chance. No chance at all. No way. This isn't this match was absolutely fantastic. Uh was it better than Omega and Osprey? No, but this match was pure and true to what New Japan is. It Every aspect of this match was phenomenal. Uh, it, you want to talk about how even 
go down to little details. You've been watching Okada now for 10 years, right? Sure. When he it, when he came out, took the robe off, dressed in all black in honor of Inoki, people went nuts. He's never worn anything like that before. That was incredible. He looked fantastic. And then you go into this match even further. The the Switchblade Jay White character is phenomenal. And anybody anybody who doesn't like the 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 Jay White character of Switchblade, I I'm sorry. You you like MJF, but you don't like Switchblade. What the fuck? What is this? They're only you know they're similar. Exactly. Switchblade is an awesome character. His performance in this match was stellar. They kicked the ever-loving shit out of each other in this match, and it was a thing of beauty. There wasn't a thing in this match that I thought was like, eh, it could have lived without it. Oh, this was a little slow. Oh, the buildup here could have been a little quicker, or this was too fast. Everything about this match felt right. Right, this was me. I'm sorry to interrupt, but let me ask you before I oh. forget. If he hadn't died, does this match main event the dome? I understand it's for the world title. Basically, this was in, in many ways almost like a tribute show to the old school, the legacy of its founder. I totally understand that. But especially with Okada being the new face and being dressed as him and doing a lot of his moves in the match, if he hadn't died would this have been the main event of the show? Or if this, or like I was saying before, if this was a two-night show, should have Okada, Jay White, been its own separate main event of the second night or first night, whatever you want to say. I just think when you have such an amazing all-time supposed, that's not nice, supposed, all-time great match, and then it has to be followed by this, I just think that it was the wrong decision. And if, like I said, I understand it's the 50th year and you wanted to make Okada the biggest star in the company again. I just think it was the, the way that this got set up. I don't know if this should have been the main event. Harry, you go first. Harry, it's your chance to agree with me. I haven't done it much this podcast. You've got to keep it the theme. So without knowing the true, like, if this would offend, you know, the culture and all that, I do think that if it wasn't for the owner dying, that the two matches should be reversed. That the I know it's the way the belts are going and everything, but I, I feel the the more highlight match, the Okada J White match should have been before the uh, Omega Osprey match, just because I felt, and that's just my personal feel is that both matches were you know phenomenal, like you know like you guys both have said. I did feel that for some reason Kenny and Osprey were going to bring just a little bit more, but of course it's easy for me saying that now after we've watched the show. But if you'd asked me beforehand, I would have given you the same answer. And it is interesting. And uh, Sean, I'm sorry to jump in here for a second, but if you even look at New Japan for the English commentary, the bit, the picture on the the main picture on the screen is Omega versus Osprey. For Japanese commentary, it was Okada. Versus Jay White. I know that's not a big thing, but I do wonder. But they did it. I, I do wonder what, you know, if, I, like I said, if this match was in America, <clears throat> most likely Omega Osprey, even though it's not the world title, may have gone on, may have gone on last. I, maybe with tradition, it has to be the world title. 
I get that. I mean, you could say that every time the world title doesn't main event a show, it feels like there's something wrong. Because if it's your biggest title, that should be the main. But I think focus-wise, besides the rumored debut of Sasha Banks, the biggest thing for at least – I know you can't just serve American fans. But it felt like the biggest thing, story-wise, was Omega versus Osprey. And maybe because that 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 over-delivered, and it's of course recency bias and everything else. It's hard for it's hard that this Okada match, you know, the Okada White match followed it. And I really do think if Anoki hadn't passed away, I don't know if that would have been the main event or should have been the main event. Because basically, from everything from the way that every the stage appeared and everything else, it was it was him all over the place. It was basically was a secondary. It, Yes, it's Wrestle Kingdom, and it's going to go down as one of the best shows of the year, absolutely. But in its own way, it was a tribute show. I don't disagree with anything either of you have said, um, except for the fact that, no, even if he hadn't died, this would have been the match. This would have been the main event still, because IWGP Heavyweight Championship is the title for New Japan, and they... In their history, have I believe, and I could be wrong on this. Uh, I, I'll, I would have to go back and double check, but immediately I can't think of an event where this, where the IWGP Championship or the Heavyweight Championship was not the main event. Um, I, I can't think of one, mm-hmm. and I, I think this was a situation where. The buildup with Jay White and Kazuchika Okada was very different. Their buildup was still awesome. Uh, you know, the one in four uh, for Jay White against Okada. Yeah, it's wild to think. We've, I've watched Okada now for years beat people, win matches that he should not have won, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and beat the best of the best of the best over and over again. But with Jay White, he kept losing, and I loved that. I loved that it was uh, that that he was the chink in the armor, that he was the gear that was out of tune with everything else. So for me, I still would see this match always being the top match. I think what ended up happening here was the same thing that happened. I think it was WrestleMania three. Uh, um, uh, Savage and Hogan Andre Savage Steamboat. Yes. Yep. I, I think this was a Savage Steamboat incident where even it, if you had a match that had that kind of buildup that Kenny and Osprey had, it wouldn't matter who it was. If you had that kind of buildup, it still would surpass uh, the main event in that. But at the same time, it was a very, very different match. Uh, I thought Jay White and Okada was absolutely brutal and wonderful without having to go to the exorbitant lengths that Kenny and Osprey had to go to. I mean, you look at what had to happen in that match for us to, uh, to really still be talking about this, even having this debate. Right. You had Osprey busted open. You had Osprey getting smashed, uh, have a table smashed on him, get his head put through a table, you had turnbuckles taken off, and guys, you know, that uh, uh, the drop down powerbomb from the top. I think it was powerbomb DDT from the top. Can't remember which one. Um, 
but those were all much more exorbitant moves than had to happen in Jay White and Okada's match. Jay White and Okada's match was strictly a a pure wrestling match, and I I loved what Jay was doing in the early onset of it. Just his constant shit talking, just healing up that character. And I think watching him do that especially drew me into it. And as it continued on and things started getting uh, a lot more intense, that sucked me in just as just as quickly as Kenny's match did. So, no, I don't – at the end of the day, no. I don't think this was the wrong thing for it to be the main event. That championship should – first and foremost, always be the main event. There should never be anything else. It pisses. It pissed me off when WWE started doing it. It still pisses me off when other places do it. If your championship is on the line, it's the main fucking event every single time. If there's a problem and it ends up with people having this same discussion, that means that you should have built that main event up twice as hard. Agreed. I, like I said, great points, and that's why we had you on the podcast, not because someone else canceled last minute. Just kidding. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> where are you? Where'd you go? No. Um, so as we wrap up this four-hour version of a podcast um, with the New Japan stuff, so we're going to combine the New Japan New Year's Dash, what happened, and what happened after this match. So second night, we had Okada... And Omega Tag, which was a very interesting thing. It's, I still haven't gotten to watch it yet. I can't wait. When I get off with you, I'm going to go finish it. But so after that, after that match, we had uh, we found out that Jeff Cobb might be coming to AEW to, to go after Kenny Omega. He said that in a, a promo afterwards, which is very interesting. I think that could be a lot of fun. And you had Shingo Tagagi, former world champion, coming out and challenging Okada. So with those two things, what do you do you like the idea of going to Shingo right after this Okada uh this Okada match? You think he's the, you think he's the right guy to uh be the next challenger? Love it. I I think those two styles uh I think Sh- uh, Shingo style and Okada style work super well together. Um I I love what they do together. There, I lost one of the AirPods. That's okay, though. Um, I love it. I think it's going to be great. I'm excited for it to happen. I don't think Shingo got as much last year as he deserved to after he kind of carried the company a little bit, uh, especially during COVID. Um, I think his physicality and his style with Okada's style is wonderful. I also like the idea of Jeff Cobb uh, coming to AEW and going after Kenny, uh, you know, Jeff Cobb's up. He's so fucking big. He's not Keith Lee big, uh, as Ricky Ross will tell us, but uh, he's big motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but he is a big man, and I'm excited to see Kenny style versus that. I think it's, um, I think it's great. Absolutely. Uh, so ver- last thing here, and we apologize. We're not going to get a chance to talk about Dynamite at this point. But um, Jay White in his uh, post press conference, which if I if if you're able to, I would go out of my way to go to. I think it's New New Japan Global on uh, on YouTube 
they put up all of the post press conferences on both sides uh, after the match. And you want to talk about great promos and just the greatness of Jay White in the ring and out of the ring. And as you were saying before, the, uh, the idea of if you don't like Jay White, how can you like MJF? There's a prime example of their two different styles and him basically breaking down and saying that he's never going to go after the title again as long as Okada. Yes, the stip was if Okada lost, he wasn't he would never get another basically another title shot. He doesn't want another title shot. The mistake that led to all this was Hikaleo turning, him having his faith in him. And and then on the um New Year's Dash show, we've set up, don't know when it will be yet. Hikaleo versus Jay White, loser leave um New Japan. We'll see when that match takes place. And then, of course, stories have come out in the last day or so that Jay White's contract could be very close to over. And he's got a ton of interest from both AW and WWE. So what's your thoughts as we uh, start to close out this? What's your thoughts on Hikaleo versus Jay White and the idea of Jay White possibly Moving on. I know, Sean, you don't want to see him anywhere near WWE ring, but what's your... I mean, there's two of us. That makes two of us. Harry and I are united in this. We have we have the same interests. Oh, so what's your, what's your thoughts on Hikaleo getting this... Well, I, I know they faced each other once before. I think it was uh, in an... Uh, it wasn't in the U.S., but they I believe they did have a one-on-one match. I don't remember being great by any stretch, but what's your thoughts of them playing out this story of Jay White basically at his breaking point and could be, finger quotes here, leaving the company. Harry, you take this. I'm not too keen on Hickelow. I made a note to look up and check out, so I'm not too, so you guys can, you know, enlighten me on that part. So why this, why this particular wrestler, you know, with this type of uh, storyline, well, uh, mm. basically, the short version, and uh, Sean, if I get part of this wrong, you can, of course, correct me. But during this whole entire Bullet Club leadership, it was Tamatanga versus Jay White. And initially, Hikaleo, who is Tamatanga's brother, okay. sided with the, uh, the Jay White's Bullet Club. And then he went and turned and went and rejoined Girls of Destiny, the family, his version of the family. Gotcha. And went with him. So, I mean, that was, and that kind of, you could say, was a little bit of the breaking point of Jay White going a little crazy. Okay, so this so this is fitting then, okay. Yeah, yeah, it works. It does work. So it's fitting. So that sounds like, I don't, well, I don't see Hickelow leaving, right? So it sounds like Jay White, you know, if this plays out the way they're portraying it, I guess he's, his contract's going to be up. Um I will throw in money to keep Jay White out of WWE. I mean, uh, <laughs> just I'm a broke fan, you know, killing himself. But uh, he has his own uh, business. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm treading water. But anyway, the, the point is that uh, I'm in Connecticut. He's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're a funny guy. Um, please don't go to WWE. Like, uh, like, can you imagine that? Like, can you? There will be no, no post post you know promos like that the style there is not the same as much as i'd love to see jay white versus seth rollins you know or 
something like that, or even Jay White and AJ, Jay White, Ricochet. I maybe even Cody. God, Cody. Anyhow, um, I, I, I no. I've been waiting for it all episode. <laughs> oh God, Cody. All right, look, I'll 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 save you from this. I'll I'll save you from this. No, he just I don't know how you make a re, you know revolution of all time to make a whole other wrestling company, and then go run right, we can take a break for a bag of money. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm taking it. I'm yeah, taking yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Look, here's here's the thing. I I I like the idea of Hikaleo and Jay White uh, feuding. I like it in the sense that it's going to give Hikaleo a good push. I don't physically know if his performance is at the level where it needs to be to make this very good he's a a, a, harry if you haven't seen him this kid is like seven feet tall he's a big son of a bitch but at the same time he's not he's not super muscular like he is strong as shit but he's not super muscular um his move set is solid for a big guy but it's not overtly explosive Jay, you know, arguably this match should be very simplistic, in my opinion. Jay White should eat this guy alive. So he's Braun Strowman. So he's Braun Strowman before Braun Strowman got ripped. Yeah, no, no, he's he's uh, he's uh, 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 what was the guy's name? Uh, uh, what what was uh the Giant Gonzalez? He's Giant Gonzalez esque, without being you know eight feet tall. He doesn't okay. have a ton of he doesn't have a ton of muscle on him, but he's got his character is solid. And he just isn't explosive. Arguably, Jay White's character should be able to eat this guy alive, just moving fast, explosive moves, bust out his knees, whatever you got to do. I don't like the idea of this being a the loser leaves, but kind of get it. You know, I don't see either of them actually leaving the company. I think this. I think that's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Um, and I don't see Jay White going anywhere. He truly does love New Japan, what it stands for, and I, they're going to pay him very nicely. I also don't see Hikaleo going anywhere unless uh, Tama Tonga is leaving as well. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me to see him go anywhere. But that being said, this will be an interesting. <laughs> Whether or not it's going to be at the level that we want it to be, who knows? Time will tell. Uh, but I think it's appropriate as it's going to start something with the Bullet Club, which has just kind of fallen apart over the last year. It's the House of Torture bullshit, all that other nonsense. It It's in relative disrepair. I think Jay White uh, having a character breakdown plotline could do a lot for him and for the bullet club. I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, I, I like the idea that Hikuleo could potentially do well in this match though. I'd like to see his character get pushed a little bit and maybe give him an opportunity to shine. Maybe he's put in a lot of extra work and no one's been able to see it yet. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say before we, Put it a wrap because like i said i always love the idea of doing seven hour shows but we're getting close to three so as i get the little wink there from uh the hey, jason Club. calm down hey jason calm down i'm sorry we've done, we've done more than 46 minutes he's, he's he's freaking out in the corner uh but just very quickly on on this i do think that this could lead 
to uh to the reemergence of the Tomatonga feud. I could see that possibly happening with Jay. But I also see, you know, if if Jay White's leaving, I can si- see him signing with AEW and then still doing stuff in New Japan. I could see that happening. The storyline is he's been forced to leave. He's in AEW for a while, and then he comes back bigger than ever. Or, you know, I could see Tamatanga, Tama, um, Nicoleo either being repackaged or just being in New Japan strong, and he'll be basically out of New Japan proper for a while. I mean, I could see that. Or you could see just a big schmaz where this doesn't re- this goes just furthering to something more down the line, either hair versus hair match or something that you know. I don't love the hair versus hair match, but I'm just thinking of other things outside the box. But push comes to shove, I think this is a storyline for people to think that Jay White is leaving and to get some get some interest in Jay White in this new idea of what he could be doing next. But Sean, you've you've been with us for this marathon. We're gonna definitely have you on again. You know, if someone else cancels, just kidding. Uh, it's always good to catch up with you. Like I said, unfortunately, time got out of control. We were unable to talk about uh, new uh, dynamite. Dynamite this week. Last thing I'll ask you before we do our goodbyes: Will Mercedes Monet show up this Wednesday as either the mystery partner or just or just show up? just in one shape or form in Los Angeles next week. No chance. No chance. Okay. Harry, gun to your head. Mercedes Monet on your TV next Wednesday, sometime between 8 and 10 p.m. on TBS. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. All right. I'm going to say you're both both right and wrong at the same time. Actually, I, I think she'll be there. I don't think you have... Britt Baker do the I'm the boss and then do the wink if she's not going to be there. I think that's and I think this is the beginning of the my boss Sheeta. So, I mean, that's where we're going here. Uh, But I want to thank everyone for joining us and listening this week. Uh, Sean, we like I said, we'll definitely have you on again as we get closer to Dominion. See how all this stuff has turned out. Harry, everyone should check out his uh, Facebook page where there's some great discussions on wrestling purist. Sean, we'll try to send you an invite to join that at some point. Of course, check out iHeart wrestling Facebook group, wrestling life. Yeah. Maybe you don't have to do that one. Um, (laughs) It's always great having you on Sean's great having you. And of course, check out old episodes of the workshop wrestling podcast with the human wheelbarrow, Jason Brooks, who left me behind for, you know, have a family. And me, and also check out our sister podcast for uh, all the latest on TV reviews with the You Don't Know Jackie View, which uh, we will be back in the new year talking about all of your favorite shows and me saying silly and stupid things. But as always, my buddy, my current wife, apparently, Harry, I have a love-hate relationship with Cody Rhodes. The final word is yours. Sean, I love having you here. Pop in any time. Thank you. Have backup for once. Oh, buddy, I'll, I got you. I'll be here when you need me. Wow. All right. This is the forbidden door. Yeah. I'm such a battered wife. <laughs> In all seriousness, thanks again for coming on, man. It was great. And I'm glad I got to meet you. And um, I'm 
embarrassed that I'm naive to some of this stuff, but it's also a great learning curve for me. No, to no, pick no. Up pleasure's too. all mine. Thank you for having yeah. me. I, I look forward to uh, doing this again. We'll uh, we'll put Corey on edge. Maybe get that last couple of hairs off of there. What do you say? <laughs> He's gonna kill us. I'm beautifully bald. No. Uh, all right, gentlemen. I said the last word was his, but I'm a liar. Thank you as always. Happy New Year to everyone. And let's hope that wrestling is as good as it was last year because January 4th is always how it starts. And I'm so glad we had a chance to see it. See you guys next week.